Grand Canyon University is Arizona's premier private Christian university committed to providing next-generation education. GCU offers over 200 academic programs, many in high-demand fields across nine colleges. We keep our rigorous curriculum relevant by partnering with industry leaders and advisory boards. Earn your degree online, in the evening, or on our vibrant Phoenix campus. Find your purpose at GCU, where advanced technologies drive education. Private, Christian, affordable, nonprofit. Visit gcu.edu. The Big Papa Online Network on Blog Talk Radio is on the air. Guide to all things wild and wonderful in the world of cult entertainment. Drop in for a spell and join me, Doc Savage, and my co-host Lewis Paul as we discuss the beloved, the hated, the weird, and the wonderful world of cult film, music, television, and more. So this week, if I can pull it up, <laughs> we're talking who? Uh, with one of us quite well versed in and oriented towards the classic 1963 to 1989 seven, or technically, if you want to throw it in there, eight Doctor run. And the other, more of a Nuvian, in other words, a dyed-in-the-wool 9-12-er. Sparks are sure to fly, and opinions will certainly beg to differ. And then there's the whole thing about Bill Baggs and the big Finnish audio sidelines to consider. So hop in the TARDIS and join the two Time Lords as we sit in judgment and praise of one of the longest-running and most beloved of science fiction and pseudo-historical series ever aired. And we promise it will not be in Old High Gallifreyan. So that's tonight. And here he is. I am the, here. The master to my doctor, <laughs> Mr. Hootball. <laughs> uh, no, for tonight's show, I am not the estimable uh, doyen of sleaze. That's right. <laughs> tonight we it's have a, it's to a different alter show our titles. <laughs> Very different uh, world we're talking about here. Uh there was something I want to say. Oh, yeah, I mean, we've been doing a lot of talking off air, and uh, those of you who are uh, tuned into our now much easier to find page on Facebook, which is uh, facebook.com forward slash weird scenes one, um, yes. you know, they, you probably already know that next week we'll be doing Bond and other spies. Uh, oh, and, the week after. The week after. Oh, yeah, you're right. Actually, it's uh, two weeks from now. I'm sorry. We have next week off for various reasons. Um, that will be on the 29th. But uh, in any case, uh, we've been doing a lot of talking, uh, uh, the two of us off air, about uh, a series called Mission Impossible. And I don't want to get too much into that, but we actually just got, and I just want to kind of, because I know you had the original set that inspired her to do this, uh, but this is actually probably a nicer set than you have, because it's actually shaped like a cheesy uh, thing of TNT, and it's got like a fake fuse on the end of it. I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I should have like got a picture of this for you and like sent it to you just to rub it in. Because <laughs> you're a big uh, Mission Impossible fan. 
Yeah, uh, uh, the funny thing, yeah, and the funny thing is, the man from Uncle a couple of years ago, uh, just quickly, that's actually in a suitcase. It's, it's really? a metallic looking suit. It's a very cool looking set, and inside, it's one of the best uh, packaged. Uh, DVD sets I've ever seen. It's actually in foam, so very nice. You know, usually get these things that the packaging's very cool, oh, garbage, yeah. and everything's broken. You know. Yep. <laughs> uh, this is a very nice box, but uh, those uh, that show is another story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm jealous. It sounds like you got a really cool looking package, at least. Uh, yeah. It's up so. there with the Phantasm Ball from Europe. Yes, I remember yeah. seeing that at your place. Uh, yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, so anyway, uh, obviously we're not talking about that today. We are talking about who. And I can't imagine at this point in history there's anybody that doesn't know what the hell Doctor Who is. Seek, locate, annihilate. Wonderful. Yes. And uh, of course. Oh, another one. See, it won't give me the one. I want to get the TARDIS noise, but there we go. So this is just some various little pieces. Of, no, uh, that's, this is what our show needs more of, is more extraneous outside things. <laughs> I hope we got the theme. We're going to run the theme later? Uh, we should. I do not have it. I thought of it last minute. I'm like, ah, oh, crap. I should have like grabbed that for this, but uh, no, I did not. This was just I had these laying around uh, my kitchen counter, so I'm like, hey, you know what? I'll throw them on quickly. So substitute for not having the theme music. That's great. No, no, we should do more of that. We should do like little bits and pieces of things like that. It, it adds an extra dimension. An extra dimension in time and space. Yes, <laughs> yes, it does. Those of you who don't know what TARDIS stands for, it's you know, time and Well, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is a, a fantastic program. Well, literally. And um, <laughs> it started in, in 1963 from the BBC. Um, since you're more well-versed in the older series, would you like to just pop yeah, the door uh, open and, you know, just... Pop the door open to the TARDIS, you know, go down the TARDIS lane yeah. there and... Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, Artist key in and unlock it and see what's inside. Uh, and it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Uh, but, uh, yeah, back in uh, November 23rd in 1963, uh, the debut was actually, um, I don't want to say preempted, uh, but if there was something done that was time shifted or they just had to air it a different day or what, because John F. Kennedy had gotten shot. And that was like, you know, taking over the news, and obviously uh, they couldn't show this debut of this show. Um it started off, I have seen the pilot. I don't know how many of you out there have seen it or have not. Uh, I thought the pilot was much better. The, the doctor, uh, William Hartnell, was the original doctor, uh, who's a you know, character actor, British character actor. You see him popping up as sergeants and things. I've seen him in some carry-ons. I've seen him in some uh, of those Edgar Wallace mysteries, the, the British ones. Uh, you know, thriller, those kind of things. He, he was all over the place at the time. And he came on his original interpretation was really not just sarcastically inviting, but nasty. I mean, he, he was a pissed off old man. 
and he had no tolerance for anybody in the cast. Like, shut up! This is what I'm going to do. What are you, an idiot? That kind of. And it was like, this is perfect. And I loved the pilot. And of course, they decided this was too harsh for the children, and we have to have a more likable grandfatherly doctor. And of course, he became what he was after. Hartnell himself was pretty irascible. That was just part of his nature, especially as he got older and sicker. Uh, so you do. You, People still refer to him as kind of like you know just a rascal old man, but it's nothing like he was in the pilot. The pilot, if they, they should have stuck with that interpretation. Of course, the show might not lasted, but it was much better. Uh, the the version that they did afterwards, they really softened it so much. It's like, wow, this is embarrassing uh, by comparison. Uh, but anyway, the show had uh, it was originally supposed to be uh, very Lambert, uh, one of the few uh, women producers actually in uh, BBC TV, especially at Correct. that stage yeah. of history. Uh, and she really took no crap from anybody. Uh, she was really kind of a proto-feminist in that respect. Uh, like, no, no, we're doing this, and <laughs> screw you. And sure enough, uh, she turned to be right. No, go ahead. Yeah, not, to, not to interrupt, though. I think I think we should make a point that there was an edict, as far as I could tell from the BBC at that time, that they should be more audience-friendly, family-friendly, Yes, and uh, with their with their with their stories, with their episodes, and um, uh, I don't know if you're going to lead into that, but uh, I, I think I read some. Well, I did read something where they actually didn't have enough stuff written as they were as they were in production, right? And they wound up going a little harder, and they those shows actually did better. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because the audience knows better than the so good. That was actually a good uh, thing to throw in there. Uh, the audience knows better than the uh, production staff on most of these things. But you know, beyond the idea of you know, keeping it soft, and uh, she also had this thing where she wanted to make it educational since it was a children's thing. So they made at least mm. she decided okay, fifty percent of this is going to be historicals. And thankfully, those sort of went away after Hardnell because they uh, – I'm sorry. There's very few historicals that work for me. They're just boring. Um, and the reason is because they wanted to make use of like the BBC drama department because that's what they were heavy on. They were heavy on doing Shakespeare. They were heavy on doing you know, right. plays about Napoleon or whatever the hell. Uh, British historical, very dry, very boring, especially in that time period. Um and I mean, occasionally you would have a good one. I mean, you know, we, we don't want to throw them all into the grave and trowel on the mud. But uh, oh, that was good. But <laughs> but uh, well, that's the case but, yeah. with anything. You know, when I say something, it's yeah. kind of a rule of thumb for me. It's not like every single thing from this person or whatever is shit and everything they you know in this no, genre. No, no, no. I, I know. I, I like, agree I'm with you on that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we can't say yeah for the most part. As a rule, yeah. Uh, but there was there were some good things, but yeah, I mean you know, and and you got to remember they're coming off of a period where a lot of things were shot live, televised live, and recorded in camera, yes. and um, so uh, that's why a lot of the earliest things. I mean, even going back to the Quatermass films, you know, for those genre people who who follow us religiously. Uh, uh, even going back as far as the Quatermass things, uh, but they, these things were, were filmed. They were not filmed. They were shot live on sound stages, uh, but the minimal minimal of uh, film things. Like if they had to go outdoors, they obviously are not going to run outside. And I think it's the same thing with Doctor Who in the earliest earliest versions. Yeah, definitely. And don't forget. I mean, you have to give them some slack. Was any of that I'm, live? 
Yeah. Uh, I don't think any of it was live, no. But they always got by. I mean, right through the 80s okay. with a minimum of rehearsals. I mean, they were just kind of like, I, I think they might have had uh, whatever, yeah. a, a day or a couple of hours. So, okay, you guys block it out. There you go. You're, you're recording. Done. That's it. No retakes. No nothing. All the flubs stayed yeah. in, which is part of the, the joy of this stuff sometimes. Um, and what, what I was going to get to with the point you were making is you got to cut them a little bit of slack yes. right off the bat because England – just, I mean, okay, yes, it was more like, you know, 15 years or something, but they really just gotten past the Blitz. I mean, Germany bombed the yeah. shit out of England. I mean, it, it's not funny. I mean, it, it's not even like, you know, people say about 9-11 or something like that. Okay, it's a big tragedy, fine, but we're talking about devastation where people Every that were growing day. up in the yeah. 70s. People talk about growing up and seeing, you know, wrecked buildings that were still there from the Blitz that they didn't have the money to refix. Uh, you know, this was a major thing. It scarred the populace. And oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I find, as an aside, I find some of the... I've been reading a lot of rock biographies lately uh, of uh, rock musicians uh, from Britain, and uh, I, I find that it's really well told. Uh, Gilmore, Keith Richards, a lot of these guys were talking about growing up, 43, 44, and 45. And, you know, okay, that's a good analogy you had, you know, the World Trade Center. That was one thing that happened, and it was a major thing, of course. But can you imagine every day your city is bombed? Yep, Every exactly. day? Yeah. And it wasn't wild. even just London necessarily, because, you know, we're not talking about, okay, well, it would be bad enough if somebody came there attacking yeah. New York and bombing raids every day and everybody having to hide out and getting fined for turning their lights on and whatever else. Uh, you know, run away, it's a curfew, get out of the bar, you know, all kinds of stuff going down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But beyond that, actual daily bombs going off and going beyond London per se. I mean, yes, sure. the Blitz was concentrated on London, but, you know, they hit other targets. It wasn't like that was the isolated whatever. Uh, oh, yeah, I mean, much, much deeper than that. I mean, children were literally shipped onto, shipped off onto trains to live with relatives or, or, or to go to farms, and sometimes they never made it back to their families because the families yeah. wound up getting killed during the Blitz bombings. So, yes, it's, it's yeah, this is coming about, what, 10, 15 years after this? Yeah. Maybe 15 years. And the thing is, what I, the reason I brought that up in specific is not just in terms of the national psyche and all the scars that they bear from this. But the fact that they had no freaking money. They were still rebuilding. I mean, forget about the Lend-Lease Act and all the other stuff. I mean, okay, yeah, they were doing better off probably at this point because they're one of our allies and one of our allies than somebody like Italy or Japan. Yes, but they were the aggressors. These guys, uh, you know, they really didn't have money was the bottom line. They were walking through this devastation. They were living it. They, were, they had that, you know, stiff over lip, you know, keep the British end up kind of a thing going on. And that was a real mentality that they had to just deal with every day just to go to work and whatever. So when you've got things like this, they didn't have a tremendous budget to throw into some children's entertainment. It was kind of like looked at as the um, – uh, I hate to say the garbage end, but you know, it was like – it was not considered a prestige BBC production. It was kind of like, all right, yeah, we'll do something for the children, make sure it's educational, fine, sure. it looks like yeah. 50 bucks kind of thing. And they did what they could with that, and therefore you get – a lot of things that people love to knock to this day, like, oh, look at the cheap effects, look at the cheap sets, look at the, the flubs, you know, the line readings, or the people walking in, whatever it is. And it's really not that bad. Uh, if you want a much worse example of that, check out Dark Shadows, which, again, was a daily soap that they basically recorded live. <laughs> I was thinking uh, of that. 
And yet, even yes. still, yeah, there's some funny, there's some that. funny, yeah. funny stuff that happens yeah. in there. You know, buildings shaking, graves falling over, all kinds of crap. Uh, and yet, it's not that as bad as everybody says. Everybody's like, oh yeah, looking for the flubs. No, you might find some flubs, but it's like you know what, two thousand friggin' episodes, and you're gonna see like you know a hundred flubs. So what? Yeah, and Doctor Who's much less than that. So uh, unfortunately, it's gotten a bad reputation yeah, over the course. years that it really doesn't deserve. Uh, but anyway. Uh, so the bottom line is here we are with Hart now, and half of the episodes she wanted to make sure the kids watch because they're not going to sit there and watch you know um, you know basically lessons school lessons going on with historicals. So even beyond the fact that they had this identification figure and uh, they're supposed to be traveling through time and everything else, the, she said, okay, well the other half let's just make it fantastic. And then they had their sci-fi end, and that's generally the much more palatable end of you know that run of who, um, but. Those who have never experienced it, um, basically, you know, like we said, Hartnell was pretty irascible even at his best. Uh, but again, much toned down from the pilot. Uh, he had a supposed granddaughter that they never really explained. It took many, many years before they decided to retrofit this and decide why this was his grandfather. Because you know, why do you have progeny and all this? That didn't come until God knows, you know, the two thousands. So for like 40 years, everybody's like, granddaughter, get out of here. He must be lying. Yeah, it's another time lord, supposedly. God knows what the hell he's doing, why, why he's, she's traveling with him. Here she is on Earth trying to learn whatever, I don't know what. And her teachers end up coming with her. Uh, it's it's a long story. They they find this, the TARDIS and TARDIS line and everything else. And they end up going on these journeys. And once you get past the first one, the Unearthly Child, they have, which is only one episode, mind you, I think. Oh, no, I'm sorry, it's the... Yeah, it was one episode because then they started doing that thing about the um, uh, I forget the name of it, but it was like a Neanderthal thing. It was very bad. Uh, there, so right off the bat, you're like, "Hey, wait a minute! I just got thrown into one of the worst episodes ever filmed for who." Uh, I know some people disagree with that, but uh, and then they started off with the Daleks, which was Terry Nation's big thing, and he was one thing I have to say about Terry Nation is he was smart enough to hold the rights. <laughs> So this big Doctor Who enemy, every time they yeah. want to use them, they got to go begging to uh, the state of Terry Nation, like, hey, can we use them? Okay, and give him a kickback. Uh, so the guy's not – well, he's not around anymore, but he wasn't doing uh, – he, he wasn't exactly not well off. Let's put it that way for just double negative. <laughs> um, the original Dalek episode – Again, there's a failing of the early Who, and you can jump in whenever you want. I'm just kind of going through as we go. Mm -hmm. Um, That they tended to go for longer-run episodes. So you would have things that were, especially with Hartnell, things that went for like 12 and 14 episodes. Normally speaking, they tried to keep these, as it went on in the series, to four episodes apiece. Yeah, correct. Five minute episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. There was a long stretch going right into the Tom Baker era uh, where they would have certain ones that they would run for six episodes. And I'll tell you that even though I enjoy some of those, and I can name which ones were off the bat even, but I'm not going to do that, uh, the problem is they're still too dragged out. Like, well, why didn't you just wrap this into four? It would have been a much more concise, you know, fast-moving, whatever, but I guess, you know, for budget reasons or whatever. Uh, So early on, you had a lot of these that were going on forever. So the Daleks was too damn long. Uh, well, I think and, that was one of the problems with the early is that, that and the Troughton, and to some extent some of the Pertwee, yeah. um, yeah. that if you told someone, you know, let's say, well, let's say, well, let's, you know, let's say uh, uh, at the time, uh, you 
you couldn't be of age, but let's say if you were a little older and uh, let's say if you're in your uh, teens or 20s, you know, and you told someone about this and you say, hey, it's really cool, you should check this out if you could try to find it on, uh, you know, however, which way you could view it. Um, if they went into this in the third, fourth, or they're like, no, I'm <laughs> lost already, you know. Right. And and it's too much. It's gobbledygook. And that that's a problem with the Who universe in a way. Yeah. If you jump into something in the middle, you really. I mean, my my. I mean, I'll get to this much much more in depth later on. My thing is, you have to be with somebody and sit with them, and you have to say, "Oh, what we're about to watch," blah blah blah. <laughs> and they're either going to bore, get bored, walk the fuck out, or right. say. You got me interested enough to check this out, right? And, and yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. Because uh, what I was going to say is that the problem uh, with these, as you get into the second and third episodes, and God help you if they go into like four and five and six episodes, right. uh, the stories get too involved. Not yes. in terms of plot mechanics. Not in terms of okay, here's the the basic the setup. Out. Yeah. How, yeah, they're dragging it out. They're bringing in incidental characters. This has been a feeling of who from day one. They bring in incidental characters that you know nothing about, don't give a damn about, and <laughs> they will basically drive the plot. And then you have, okay, the Doctor and whoever else comes in, and then they sort of interrelate, and then they find the problem because it takes a while to identify the problem in the first place. And then they go and start you know, dealing with it, and then there's, of course, you know, the up and down thing that they always do with writing where it's like, oh, wait, no, they're going to go and be caught. Oh, what's going to happen now? Is everything's over with. Oh, no, no, they're back on their feet. Oh, now they won. Yay. You know, there you go at the end. But they waste way too much time. These people that are like, who the fuck are these people? Why do I care? And we're talking about like Rada type stuff where these people are very, very proper. And they have to talk, hey, I don't think I want to do this. And you're sitting there watching, it's like, oh my God. I forgive anybody for turning off on who, who's tried to start with Hartnell, most of Troughton, or arguably stuff from there on. But that's really the bad era. Uh, you know, there's some good stuff in there, but yeah. Hartnell's. Tough to watch. It was one of the last ones, if not the last one, that I got into. Uh, well, he was he was older too when he started out, and from uh, from my research, he started to take ill during the the, the end of his run. And, uh, and I'm not well, quite sure what his they had. Uh, they had two guys that were filling. Uh, the one was the teacher Ian, um, but later on they had a younger guy, Stephen. And the idea for him, which they kind of carried through Troughton and tried to bring into uh, – not so much with Pertwee, but they tried to bring him back for Tom Baker because they thought they were going to cast somebody else. And when they got him, they didn't need him, which was that, that Harry Sullivan. The idea was the same thing you had there at the beginning, which is we need to have a young guy who's kind of like – I don't want to say burly, but you know, comparatively burly uh, and in shape to go and do all the running around and get knocked around right. whatever else. And then that way the doctor can just stand there and play, you know, the scientist or whatever, and just you know, not be, not have to do anything physical. And that came from Hartnell. That that actually dragged out from him. Um, so you know, the episodes here, it almost, almost to a T alternates. Every other one is a historical. You know, you got Marco Polo, mm-hmm. and you got the Keys of Maris. You got the Aztecs, then you got the Censorites. You got the Reign of Terror, then you got Planet of the Giants. You got back and forth and back and forth. Um, a lot of them, like I said, it took a long time for me to get into them. I mean, as in, like, within the last year or two, <laughs> that long. Uh, and okay. I've been, 
I've been a Who fan since the 80s. That's actually a place where I should have started, uh, kind of at the middle. Uh, I'm not sure how you got into it or where, but I had discovered this, I believe, on my own from a local UHF channel uh, that yeah. was kind of a public TV thing back in the mid-'80s, and they had brought over Doctor Who. And at the time, we were like, what the hell is this? Uh, and I watched it, and my father walked in on it, and to his credit, and it was just like kind of a random thing. It was like probably the first episode I was watching. It was uh, Pyramids of Mars, and he's like, wow, what's this? Because he loved all this horror kind of shit, too. And he's sure. monkeys yeah. walking around, and you know what? So, and then we got to the spaceship, and there's the jackal, you know, the Nubis and all stuff. And he's like, whoa, that was great. So he got into it with me. So the two of us used to religiously watch, and uh, the best thing was they had them on Saturday nights, you know, because they used to have Saturday tea time with school in Britain. But instead of the weekly whatever like they were doing over there, they would play the entire serial. So you could sit there and say, okay, just like you do with a DVD now. Okay, well, I want to watch uh, Keys of Maris. Okay, there you go. If it showed that week, you would sit there and watch the entire thing in one shot. And you right. were done. It wasn't like, okay, let's like cliffhanger. Let's see what's happening for a month. You have to wait for this damn thing to finish. Uh, and... Of course, it was Tom Baker, even though at the time they were finishing up Peter Davison and moving into Colin Baker. We knew nothing about this over here. Uh, and then when they finished running Tom Baker, they jumped back for a second, played one or two Pertwees. And I was like, who's this guy? You know, okay, he's not Tom Baker, because, you know, what happened? It's not the doctor anymore. Oh, like, right. Okay. And okay, I yeah. got into John Pertwee really fast. And you know, my father liked it too. Green Death was great. And then they show one of the one I think was uh, maybe Carnival of Monsters. I'm like, eh, all right, whatever. But Green Death really stuck with me. I was like, wow, this is really awesome. And then it was gone, and they played uh, Davison for a while. And I was like, eh. It, again, another guy took me a long time to get into. He was so different, so laid back. We'll get into him later. Uh, but eventually they started playing Baker again, and we just watched those again. Uh, and at some point, I don't know if it was to, to the VHS era that I finally got into, okay, this is what the John Pertwee runs all about. Wow, this is great. This is my doctor. And then so on and so forth over the years. Uh, so how did, where did you discover who? Was it with the revival or was it earlier? Oh, no, it was earlier, actually. Uh, um, uh, but I, we'll, we'll discuss later why certain people and a particular person are, is is my favorite doctor. Right. And I have to be eloquent about this later. Remind me. <laughs> uh, no, actually, uh, when I was younger, I'm, actually, we never talked about ages. I'm, pro I'm probably in a range of a couple of years older than you. Yeah. Not much, I think. I don't know. Who knows? Um, so, in the 70s, uh, yeah, there were still bad UHF uh, channels, uh, you know, Yes, people, there was some weird thing on your TV called UHF. Yes. There was VHF for your local channels, like uh, 2, 4, 7, 11, those New York area people. Right. And, and the syndicates, which were the good stuff, 5, 9. Oh, 5, uh, 9, 11. 11, five, and nine, then yeah, PBS was on 13, and PBS 21, if you could get it. And then you yes, had the other dial. Yes, you had to move the aerial around, the aerial antenna, the, what we used to call it, rabbit ears. Remember those? There was no and, remote controls in these days. You had to get up and turn the little dial to turn channels. And it was noisy. It was click, clunk, clunk, yep. clunk, clunk. And you had to play with There's a little knob inside the dial that you had to turn back and forth to make your reception yes, look yes. better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, and then there's that, another knob that you had to turn for UHF, and that was the really weird shit, which was just kind of – it was almost yeah. like uh, CB radio. It was that level of <laughs> – Yeah, very <laughs> – some ahead. things were very snowy, and it was like – 
I think I can move this. In. And those days, the antennas were like a separate entity. It was like a bulbous device with these big things that really went out really freaking far. So well, you would like move this. We had a high ceiling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we would move it around, move it. Oh, shit, it's as far as it can go. But maybe I'll put it on the floor. Oh, well, it looks really good now. Then somebody will walk by. What do you want for dinner? Move. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're interrupting the reception. And you um, had to share the TV. There was one friggin' TV for the family, and my family at that uh, point was not exactly well off. So we watched a little tiny black and white thing that was smaller than most people's laptop monitors. Uh, from across the room, from across the room, we were in the, the, the living room, basically, or dining although room. Although we always had a big, big Philips. It was a big Philips TV. A Philips, a big, large, white, black and white, uh, big screen. This thing was black and white. We actually had color TVs on and off, but if they went on the fritz, that was it. You got what was available. We got another tiny black and white. Uh, and they were always from the, the TV repairman because he would go there and repair stuff, and then he'd sell you another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they would sell you. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so it was John John Pertwee. It was John Pertwee. Okay. And and it was Tom Baker. And um, at the time, I thought these were being uh, transmitted from Mars. Because I was like, what is this talking shit with sci-fi elements? You know, it's like... <laughs> yeah, we were shocked. The, yeah, the reaction yeah. when you first see this stuff, especially in those days, was when you're like, young. what the fuck yeah. I want? Well, not even when I was young, because my father was like older than you are now, I guess, at that point. Maybe <laughs> or somewhere in my range. And, you know, I'm just like, you know, I was in my teens, and I was like, what the fuck is this? And he was like, what, what are you watching? <laughs> like, what is this? And we, okay, yeah. I don't know. And we got into it really fast. So it was very much of a culture I, shock. I had difficulty, and I really tried to stay with it. And I watched a few. And because I came in on episodes, I, I experienced it. And, and, and I don't know how off from the original transmission of these things I was, mm-hmm. but... St- but still, I, I I was like, okay, so I saw these pretty close, uh, and it, you know, jump. Uh, uh, did you want to go more into Patrick Troughton, or are we jumping into? No, Trout- I'm done with Troughton. I was going to go. Uh, sorry, not Troughton. I was going. I'm done with uh, Hartnell. I was going to go to Troughton next. Okay. So basically, what happened uh, is they had cycled through a couple of companions. The companions are the audience identification figures that they bring in. Uh, originally, it was the granddaughter, Susan, and her two teachers. I think people kind of got sick of that, so they ended up getting rid of the teachers. They brought in this guy, Stephen, who was supposed to be like a futuristic whatever. He was basically, like I said, just supposed to be the muscle to do the work for Hartnell. Peter Lupus, uh, yeah, I think. <laughs> right, it, but he wasn't enough like Peter Lupus. Peter Lupus was built. This this guy was like, eh, okay, he's kind of tall and goofy with a big lantern jaw. You know, typical Brit of the time. Yeah. Um, I think like Charlie Hawtrey, I guess. <laughs> you know, the big chin. Uh, or no, or the guy from the Peter Cushing Doctor Who movie. What was his name? Oh, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what she's talking about. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right, though. The same thing. Uh, yeah. like, a, like a Jay Leno jaw on a guy that's yeah, yeah, six yeah. foot eight or something, or six foot seven. Uh, or, or it seemed like that by comparison. Like a Bernard Breslar type, but it wasn't him. Right. So, anyway, uh, they got this uh, girl, you know, Vicky, who was cute, and she does uh, audios to this day, which is really nice. I enjoy those. Uh, and they kept switching up people. They tried to bring in, like, this girl that they thought was going to resonate with the, the London, uh, swinging London teenagers, this cockney girl named Dodo. She was terrible. They dumped her right away. Uh 
and they kept switching. Then they got this girl who was like a dolly bird with this guy who was supposed to be a uh, a sailor, you know, down on his luck kind of cockney sailor. And they wound up going with uh, Hartnell towards the end. I think it was his last two episodes. And then Hartnell, I guess he just got too sick or said, the hell with it. Maybe his wife said, you know, you're not doing this anymore. I'm not sure what the deal was. But they were out of doctor. I'm like, oh, God, what do we do? We, we don't want to cancel the series. It's doing well. Uh so they made this really strange decision. Like, you know what? He is an alien. I'm not sure who came up with the idea. Yeah, yeah. You should uh, discuss this. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so he's an alien. So we don't have to worry about the fact that the guy that, you know, the doctor, basically, our main character, is, you know, taken off. Uh, what we can do is, you know, he's, we'll, we'll call him a, a time lord, which they may have mentioned once or twice. They didn't really go into it at all in the series with Hartnell. Uh, they only really started discussing this under the Troughton series and, and towards the end at that, like with the war games. Um, but, you know, he's from an alien uh, group of people that travels through time here. Uh, why don't we just have a, this thing where, you know, how do they live forever? Well, maybe they regenerate and look completely yeah. freaking yeah. different. So here's goes this um, – he wasn't especially tall, but you know, average height guy with this kind of George Washington hairdo and a big, you know, buzzard like hook nose. And chops, yeah. poof, he's gone. And here's this little, maybe you know, four foot nine, five foot one guy who looks kind of swarthy. Like he was always playing. He, he was known for even into the seventies and eighties after he left for playing ethnic parts. You know, like in the Feathered Serpent, he was Nazca. You know, the the uh, basically Aztec evildoer. Who Trump? Trouton, yes. Uh, well, Trouton was really big, well-known as Cleave, remember? Cleave in which? Dracula, Prince of Darkness. Oh, yeah, you're right. No, actually, Scars of Dracula. Scars of Dracula. Sorry. Because he was getting whipped by him. I remember that. I was like, what the hell? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was <laughs> turn close. Up parts like yeah. that. And actually, you know who else would turn up in a lot of parts like that? Uh, always as an ethnic as well. Was the master. We'll, we'll get to him later on. Uh, Roger yeah. Delgado. Uh, but anyway... And he's this little guy. He's got like a, a Beatles haircut, you know, his mop top, but he looks old. He's got this face yeah. of just, you know, a hangdog kind of... Um, like Shep Howard. Yes, like Shep Howard, exactly. And yeah. he dresses like a bum, you know, as opposed to, you know, before he was just kind of goofy and doddering and just oddly, but it wasn't horrible. Now I was like, what the hell? And he's got like, you know, an oversized uh, coat and he's got these really horrible baggy pants and he's kind of like a half-assed chaplain. Um <laughs> And in the beginning, he's going with big hats and his little recorder all the time. And, I was like, and they took this guy who was basically now like a figure of fun, you know, instead of being a serious, like, you know, pissed off grandfather type authoritative. Here's this goofy little guy that's going to go around and basically, it was like Scooby Doo. Uh, he would later on, especially with Jamie when uh, Fraser Hines came on, which wasn't too late in the series. Uh, they made this kind of like Shaggy and Scooby type act where anytime like a, an enemy came around, they're like, okay, when I say run, run, they're like, ah, oh, and then they start running like idiots. Uh, it was like a cartoon, like a live action cartoon. Um, this made things a lot of fun, actually. Uh, and it saved the series because, okay, well, hey, if we, if people accept this, we can just do this series for freaking ever because who cares? 
you know, every couple of years, somebody decides to leave, we'll make somebody completely different be the doctor. And that's why to this day I'm a little surprised, and a lot of members of the uh, Hoovian fan community have been surprised at, well, why has there never been a black doctor like Lenny Henry, uh, who was one briefly in that special that they had? Or why hasn't there been a female doctor like, you know, Patsy from MadFab, who was one briefly in that same special? Uh, you know, you can make it anybody you want. So, yeah, I understand the issues of gender bending and all stuff, but really, I mean, he doesn't have to be the same every freaking time. I mean, he's a different person person every time uh but anyway that's that's just a hoobian sort of uh pet peeve of mine uh so anyway what happens with trout now is the series becomes fun and you still have a couple historicals notably the highlanders which is one that introduces jamie because he's a scottish highlander uh always talk about robert the bruce and all this crap and rob roy or whatever and uh they, originally, Jamie was traveling with Ben and Polly, who held over from the Hartnell series, but they took off pretty – well, not pretty quick, but they took off quick enough. Uh, and then you got this girl, Victoria, a very pretty girl, uh, who unfortunately had this reputation as being a real screamer because she was supposed to be from Victorian times. Haha, <laughs> Victoria, Victorian times. Um, and – she didn't last all that long either, but the three of them had this great rapport that was basically just like a three-person comedy team. You know, basically, they're pulling pranks on her on and off set, uh, good-naturedly. And I think if you see uh, – actually, I know it because I've seen them both together. Uh, if you see Frazier and uh, Deborah Watling together to this day, he's still pulling pranks on her. You know, it's, like, you know, it's all in fun. They enjoy it. Uh, even there's a famous episode where her father, Jack Watling, uh, was involved. There's two of them, actually, uh, the Obama Snowman the web of fear and he joined them in pulling pranks on her and she's like daddy i'm your daughter <laughs> but you know it was all just in fun uh so it was that sort of a set all of a sudden and unfortunately what happened is a lot of those earlier episodes which you know now is possibly referred to as the monster era are the ones that are lost uh, because yeah. those are all the good ones this is when you have things like um let me just see. This is like on the wrong side. I'm just flipping through this stuff. Uh, doo -doo -doo. Yeah. For some reason I got far back. I'm looking at Hartnell stuff here. Uh, War Machines. Oh, there we go. So, you know, you get stuff like the Daleks, Power of the Daleks, the Underwater Menace, uh, the Moon Base, which was not the first Cyberman episode, but it was one that um, more or less established them. The first one was kind of dodgy, the Tenth Planet, which was a Hartnell one. Uh, Macra Terror with these giant crabs going and uh, enslaving a populace with uh, mind control, basically. The Faceless Ones, this one where they were in an airport and these, you know, they were basically kidnapping kids, like a bunch of hippies and stuff. Um, Evil the Daleks, again. Tomb of the Cybermen. We, thankfully, that one was one of the first ones to be found. Um, Abominable Snowmen, uh, Web of Fear. I think they found portions of those recently and put them out. Uh, Ice Warriors, again, pieces are missing. That was put out a while back. Um, and then, and through the deep and all that stuff. But then what happened is... All these things were getting lost because BBC had a practice, again, we're talking about having no money here, uh, that they did right up into the early 70s, but particularly with their 60s material, where they said, you know what, tapes is expensive. And I sort of understand this coming from the VHS era because I remember when tapes used to cost you six and eight bucks a pop, and you, if you yeah. recorded something, I'm like, ah, screw it, I better just, might as well just tape over right. so I don't stay more. Uh, so that's what they were doing, and we lost all these shows, 
And it wasn't even logical, like, okay, we lost all the Doctor Who's from all these years. No, no they would have an episode or two here. They'd have, like, an entire uh, serial there. You know, it was just like, okay, well, let me grab a tape off the shelf that hasn't been used for a while because they figured they'd never show them again. They probably already tried to sell them once, maybe to Australia or whatever, and they did their one airing, and they say, okay, well, who cares? It's garbage. It's cluttering up our shelves. Let's go and uh, – just and some of them just actively destroyed them. Like, okay, let's go in space. Uh, I think so, I think ninety seven episodes are lost to this day. To this day, even after all the uh, restoration yeah. discoveries, okay. ninety seven episodes. Wow! At a two hundred and fifty three between Hartnell and Troughton. Can you yeah. believe that? It's, it's always there. And wow. I know they had a problem with even Pertwee with demons, where they lost the color episodes on some of them, or maybe on all of them. <laughs> And then they were black and white. I think to this day, unless they changed them in the last DVD iteration they put out. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember a lot of those were black, black and white when they were supposed to be color. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, you know, we're lucky we have them, obviously, but this has changed. I mean, what you've got on DVD right now to this day is much different than what we were getting when we were collecting them on VHS, which is right. much different than what was being told we had back in the 80s when Who Fandom was the biggest in this country, uh, at least before the, the new series. That's another story. Uh, but there were days when you had things like the Chicago Con, which, you know, of course, I never fly to Chicago. That was a problem. But... You know, this is in the mid-80s, and people, there were hundreds and thousands of people going to the freaking Hukon. It was a big deal in this country during that time. There's, uh, there's one in Long Island I just heard about, yes. and I, I never knew about I it. I have to go. I went I to was. the second one. The second one was pretty nice. Uh, it was comfortably small enough. Uh, the only thing that was crazy was it wasn't well-managed. Uh, yeah. They tended to put events up against each other. Like Basically, they set it up where they had... Uh, the eighth Doctor Paul McGann and his yeah. two companions from the show there, Yi uh, Jung So or whatever his name is, and uh, that girl there, uh, I can't remember her name, Effie Ashbrook. Uh, and they set up every single event so that it would conflict with the classic Who thing because they also had Colin Baker and uh, oh. Nicole and the classic uh, triumph, uh, triumvirate of you know, Fraser Hines and Deborah Watling and um, Zoe Harry, what's her name? Uh, I can't think of her right now. You remember what, what's her name, kid? I can't remember. Okay. So anyway, we'll run across it later. Huh? It's, it's escaping me. But all three of them were there, so you would get a choice of seeing those. Oh, and they had some head writers. Uh, they had people that were basically, if you were a classic movie, these were big names from yeah. certain eras. Oh, Wendy Padbury, she just reminded me, my, my Hoobian wife here. Uh, so <laughs> they would have these things going on up against the Eighth Doctor stuff all freaking weekend. Every time there was an Eighth Doctor thing going on, there was something else going on that we wanted to see with oh and oh like another room yeah 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 Terry Malloy who is Davros and I love him from the Scarifiers uh, you know every time they would back oh, up it's like okay. the Renaissance Fair up here in New York where anytime you have an event you want to see there's three other ones going on that you want to see but when there's nothing going on you know you, that's it you're stuck watching the freaking mud show or the chicken farmers or some shit because there's nothing else scheduled for <laughs> scheduling I hate you people for that if you're listening fungal to you learn to schedule things properly uh, but uh, you know this well, kept but, but, yeah I think, I'm thinking of checking one of those out yeah 
Yeah, we we almost went this year, but they didn't. They refused to tell. There's another good one they did. They moved to another hotel, which was a bigger one. Uh, so already we're like, oh, Jesus, that could change the atmosphere. Because uh, you know what happened with another famous convention that Chance Hotels went right down the toilet. Uh, but we won't go there right now. Uh, <laughs> we've gone there before. Um, but the other thing was that they wouldn't tell you who the guests were. And when they did start telling you the guests, it was the same people we just saw last year who were apparently also there the first year. So I was like, oh, yeah, we saw Frazier Hines already. That's nice. We saw, you know, and it kept going on. And finally, last minute after the tickets were all sold and you couldn't get any pre-orders or anything, oh, by the way, uh, one of my favorite companions, uh, Joe Grant, uh, uh, Katie Manning was going to be there. I'm like, you assholes. So, again, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't remember who else was supposed to be there, but at that point, it was just too late. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So, but the convention we went to last year was good. I did enjoy the hell out of that one. So, uh, you know, if you're in the area and you feel like checking it out, I could recommend it based on that one. Based on where they are now, I have no idea. Just be prepared to, you know, not see half the stuff you want to say. Well, if there's something cool, maybe we'll all get together. We'll check it out. We'll see. Sounds good. Um,. So anyway, uh, with these episodes being destroyed, we had audios. BBC put out audios, and we lived with them for many years. I enjoyed those. Um, I think that they have taken some of them, not all of them, and they found a few episodes, like, okay, they have like episodes two and four or something, and maybe they got another one they got pieces of or something. And they started saying, you know what the hell, that we're going to put them out on DVD, originally in sets of like lost episodes, and then as by themselves, like, okay, here's the Web of Fear, because we found one extra episode or something, and we're just going to use the audio for the other one. And they have these things called web snaps, which is people are just taking pictures on set or whatever. It's cheesy, but it's a way to see them. Um, but ostensibly the best stuff of Troughton is lost. So what you were seeing on DVD previously, and a good portion of what you see there now, is actually kind of crap. Uh, I like Wendy Pabri a lot. She's very cute. She's a lot of fun. Uh, she looks great in a cat suit, those of you who know Zoe. <laughs> the best cat suits on TV. Uh, you got, what's her face, Julie Newmar, the Catwoman from Batman. You got Yvonne Craig as Batgirl, and you got Zoe Harriet, <laughs> which is Wendy Pabri. Uh and those who know the episodes I'm talking about know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, she looked fantastic in a damn cat suit. Uh, so, but her episodes were really not that good by comparison. Uh, I don't know what happened, if it was the writing had changed or what, but that season, that was they lost Ben and Polly, they lost Victoria. Uh, Jamie still stuck around. But the dynamic was different somehow. And I don't think it has anything to do with her because they were still pulling pranks on her and they still had the same, you know, the, the guys were the same. Uh, she was amenable enough. It's just something was different about it. You started getting crap like, you know, the Dominators and the Mind Robber and the Croutons and, you know, even the the better ones like the Seeds of Death and uh, the Invasion. You know, it just doesn't feel the same. It's not the same aesthetic. It's not the same atmosphere. It's not as fun as that first season. And maybe that's why they kind of called it quits after that. So, all right, you know, uh, Troutman's leaving, and, and uh, Frazier said, you know what? If he's not going to be here, pff, I'm, not, I'm not going to stay around. So everybody basically left. Uh, and they had this thing where they basically wrote them off. Like, oh, you'll never remember. You know, the War Games was terrible. Uh, but it was this whole thing with the Time Lords. And they had to go through different stages of history and all these wars and whatever the hell else. And it, it was really a lesser episode in Who. People talk good about it for some reason. But uh, it basically was a good excuse to write everybody off and start from scratch. So 
at the end of that, they regenerated again. And they got a fellow who was an ex-naval man and uh, a comedian, basically, uh, like a musical comedian named John Pertwee. And this is my doctor. So is there anything you wanted to uh, get into about Troughton or about him? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious, because, you know, I'm just kind of going through here. My doctor. No, no, really. I mean, everybody has a doctor. That's no, like, no, no. This no. is my doctor. Yeah, well, you know what? I started off with Baker, but Pertwee is my doctor. There's no question. He's my guy. <laughs> my wife even says well, I like Why did Pertwee so. always look old? He looked old when he, he was young. He did. Well, so did yeah. Trump. And so did Arnell. But, um, so did a lot of these fuckers, but, but he look, always looked old. <laughs> I just watched the House of Drip Blood the other night, and I said, oh, my God, he's in this. Yep. And 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 it was like, he was old. And the funny thing is, he must have had Sean. Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, but he had Sean late in life, I guess. His uh, son, Sean Pertwee? Yes. He had uh, a couple of interesting memories involved with Gene Marsh, uh, who was actually in Who twice. Yeah. She was Sarah Kingdom in the Hartnell era, and then she, again she came back in um, the McCoy era for, uh, I think it was Battlefield, as Morgan Le Fay. Um, she was a really kind of hottie back at the time when he was married to her, and uh, I forget who the hell else he was involved with, but he tended to have younger wives. I know that. And well, it's the British thing, you know. Yeah, well, hey, I do too. So you want. <laughs> I'm all for it. But uh, <laughs> yeah. That's right. so but, anyway, on to John. Yes, the thing about John is he was. Um, one of the criticisms that people level against it is actually accurate, which is that it's very Avengers-ish, and it is, and that's part of what makes it so fucking good. Uh, basically, he was a, I don't want to say outdoorsman or sportsman, it doesn't really sound right, because uh, you know, he was like, oh, let's play football, but he was the kind of guy that he loved gadgets, he loved vehicles, and he loved doing his own stunts. So he says, okay, let's do something with fencing. All right, so then he has this you know, fencing contest with Roger Delgado's master in Mind of Evil. Okay, you know what? I want to go and you know, drive in a, a speedboat. So they throw that into an episode. He's got to jump in a speedboat. And then he's on a helicopter and hanging from the helicopter. Okay, fine. Now he's got to have his little um, – he had this great car called Bessie, which is like a Archie's jalopy, those of you who like Archie comics. Uh, this old 1920s, like not even a Model T, but, you know, the – with convertible, uh, you know, crank up in the front kind of a thing. And, but he had an episode uh, or two towards the end where, and he actually had this built at his own expense and drove it on the streets. He got pulled over, but he actually made sure it was street legal, uh, called the Who Mobile, which was this really funky looking vehicle. Um, he loved motorcycles. He, was, he had motorcycle chases. I mean, this is the kind of guy you're talking about. All of a sudden, you went from these two very, um, not necessarily cerebral, but you know, kind of like bookish, like, oh, don't touch me, I'm going to fall apart if you put a finger on me, kind of doctors, to this guy who was ready to stodgy. kick your ass. Maybe stodgy. He was ready to uh. kick your ass. And the best thing is, like you said, stodgy, I don't know about that, but uh, you're right, is that he was authoritative. No, I mean, that, and that. he had no... Um, 
no tolerance for people's stupidity. And I think this is kind of why my wife says, oh, yeah, it's just like you. <laughs> because it's just like... Does not well, suffer fools, right? Right, exactly. Does not suffer fools gladly. You come home with a stupid question, he's going to rip you a new asshole. Six ways from Sunday, and then walk away. And people are sitting there going, what just happened? <laughs> uh, and he was physical as well, so it wasn't like, okay, he's just like a now mouth on doesn't back it up. Uh, he was... One hell of a guy. Um, and if you see him in other stuff, he carries that over. We watch a lot of uh, Who Done It, the series he, that he did afterwards, which is kind of like sort of a half-ass game show uh, where they do mysteries and people have to guess, like, okay, who's the killer? Oh, yeah, I've seen that, yeah. yes. Uh, and he's still the same person. You know, and wherever you see Pert, he was always the same. Uh, but Doctor Who was kind of his um, apotheosis, I guess. Uh, he really got to live the dream, if you will. And I am hard-pressed to find episodes of his that I don't really enjoy, even though he had been through, and people always associate him with Joe Grant, okay, man, and rightly, and people always associate him with the unit folks, especially uh, the Brigadier, uh, the late Nicholas Courtney, uh, and Sergeant Benton, and um, uh, Mike Yates. Uh, those people were around him a lot. Uh, that's actually another criticism that people have. Oh, he became establishment. You idiot. He was not establishment. He was stuck there with these people. He made the best of what he had. He recognized, and you could tell, he was pissed off at them for being these stodgy military assholes. Every episode, he would deliver it to Rod, going after them. Do not do that. You're an idiot. Stop bombing every goddamn thing you see. We can these these people could advance us to a higher level as the human race. Every time this happened, and yet people are going and saying, "Oh yeah, he, he became uh, you know whatever part of the establishment." No, not in the least. But he worked with them. He wasn't bombing buildings. So if you want to say he wasn't the weatherman, no, he wasn't. But was he ever? Mm. Were any of the doctors? Uh, you know, so I really take offense at that one. It's like, how stupid are you? Have you watched an episode all the way through? But the thing is that he was associated with them because he was with them for quite some time until there's a whole thing where the doctor decided to stranded him on Earth, basically. And that's how you got this Avengerish stuff. And then they gave him back the ability, and he would still come back and hang around with these guys just because he liked them. You know, they developed relationships. Uh, and he had this kind of special relationship where he could get away with doing what he wanted to do, and yet, okay, when we need you for something, you're our scientific advisor, and you can come help us out and save the day. Uh, but he had other companions. Uh, his first one was kind of a flop, uh, Carolyn John. Uh, I don't even remember the character's name. That's how little I cared about her. Oh, Lee Shaw. Thank you. My wife reminded me. Uh who was they tried to make her into like a dolly bird because it was around that time, but she kind of rebelled against it because she wasn't the type. Uh, really dry scientist, and I was like, well, he's the scientist. Why do we need another scientist? Okay, uh, and she was just kind of rubbed in the wrong way and was kind of boring all the way through. I'm like, eh, all right. So you had things like you had good episodes in there, Spearhead from Space. I liked a lot the first All Times episode. Uh, Silorians was iffy. Ambassadors from Death was iffy. A lot of people love Inferno. It was kind of funny to see like the evil Brigadier going around, but it was kind of like a half-assed mirror mirror from Star Trek. Uh, they didn't really work as well as when you got Joe Grant in. All of a sudden, the series takes off, you know, and you've got the whole season, which is every freaking episode was Roger Delgado's master. But again, we were lucky that we had that because. Delgado was, unfortunately, he had died in a car accident. Uh, he was going to film in Turkey. 
uh, for some movie that he had, and the driver, I guess, you know, went off a cliff, you know, kind of like a Princess Die kind of a thing. Um, so in that, in retrospect, we're really lucky that they put him in every freaking episode this season. But there he was, you know, Mind of Evil, Cause of Axos, um, you know, the, the demons. Um, he, I think he was even in Day of the Daleks. I mean, he, he was around for a lot of these episodes, the Sea Devils. Uh, you know, the Master. It's a character that they kept on, and, and they kept changing as well, and kept regenerating him. But he never ever works. It's only do- the only master that ever worked was Roger Delgado. I'm sorry. Um, well, Del- Delgado stacks. He was the, the master for a while, though. Yes, he was. Yeah. Well, until he died. Yeah, he was here for about a season and a half, two seasons. Um, mm. And he established the character in the first place. Yes, but it, there's just no comparison. He was. I mean, I understand he was afraid of water and could be like. I don't want to say cowardly, but you know, uh, he couldn't swim. So he had these kind of things like, oh, I'm not going to go anywhere. Oh, what do I do? And he'd go into a panic because they're going to take him somewhere near water. Uh, but is as the master, he was always very authoritative. Again, he was a very good match for Pertwee. He was a guy that knew what he wanted and went after it. Unfortunately, because he was the baddie, he would always ally himself with people that didn't, you know, things didn't go his way, and he'd be like, oh, wait, now you turned to me? Oh, now I'm going to have to help the doctor out or something, or help, help. So that was a failing of the, the writing. But as a character, he was very strong. Like I said, he had that fencing match with him. Uh, he would, knew how to be sinister and yet suave. Uh, he was a hypnotist. Uh, and you could believe that he had to be his sway. Uh, he was a smooth talker. He was, you know, for the type, for this kind of swarthy... Uh, he, again, he's probably like five foot something. But, you know, you could believe he was a handsome man. You know, like people would like, okay, this guy's got charisma. Um, later masters just don't really have that at all. Uh, it kind of went to the dumps after he left. Um, so what happened is after this, after, uh, you know, Delgado was dead and everything else, people, they, they started to change the cast around again. Uh, Joe, uh, Katie Manning left to get married with that schlump from, uh, the degree in death. I have no idea. The guy from the Nuthatch. I'm like, really? He was so like misogynistic and like unappealing. I have no idea why she left with him. I don't know if he's really like that in real life. But I was like, what is this? Um, and they moved off to Australia, and she was there for many years. So uh, they just decided to keep the show going for a bit. Uh, I don't think Pertwee was ever happy with the idea, uh, and he did not last that long after this. But they brought in everybody's favorite, and I don't understand why. Sarah Jane Smith, uh, Liz Slade, the late Liz Slade. Um, and from here, the series gets a little strange. Um, you do have, <laughs> yeah, because Barry Litz starts exploring, you know, he became a Buddhist, or maybe he was one all along, and he starts exploring his Buddhism a little bit, and you get things like, you know, uh, and I actually like this episode, but Planet of the Spiders, and, uh, you start getting things that were, that people will knock, even though I kind of like it, like uh, Invasion of the Dinosaurs, where Mike Yates becomes basically a traitor to his country because he believes in, you know, a, a bigger ideal for humanity, which turns out to be fake. Um, so he obviously gets kicked out of the unit. You have the time warrior where they go back in the past, and it's like, jeez, um, uh, it's almost like Ivanhoe or something, but with barbarians. It's you, They just don't work. The, the episodes from this run just don't work. I don't think uh, Sarah Jane as a character worked with Pertwee very well at all. 
it was actually kind of worse than the Carol and John Liz Shaw thing. Um, and I could totally understand it. You felt dispirited. The, you know, you could tell that part was, was tired. Like, okay, everybody's left. I really don't see why I'm still here. The hell with it. Uh, you know, obviously she was doing her best to whenever I was the new girl, but it just didn't work. Um, so is there anything you want to say about Pertwee or Lord of the Rhine? No, no, it's, it's uh, you, you did very well, yeah. Let's move on to Tom Baker. Yes, now Tom Baker is the one that everybody considers as the Doctor. When they think Doctor Who, they think Tom Baker. And I have no problem with that because we did the same thing. He was the first one we saw, and when he left... Both my father and I were like, oh, all these people, they're not the doctor. Where's the doctor? You know, it was Tom Baker. Uh, he was this very strange fellow who was – he wanted to become a monk, and he actually did to, like, go off to study this for a bit. Um, he wound up working on a construction site, um, and that's where he was when they cast him. Uh, they basically cast him because they somebody had dragged him off to sea. He was in the – I think it was the Golden Voyage of Sinbad, the one with Carol Munro. Uh, he was the evil wizard in that one. Uh, you know, fun little Ray Harryhausen movie. I enjoyed it. But uh, I would not have said, oh, look, here's the doctor from that. So I don't know how they figured this one out. But they said, okay, well, let's cast this guy. So he gets the call on the construction site, and suddenly he's Doctor Who. Uh, the first episode he does, they tried to cast him in the Pertwee mold, complete with Bessie and Unit and everything else called Robot. I like that episode a lot. Uh, it really is good. But it's a Pertwee episode without John Pertwee. And therefore, a lot of people don't even really, I hate to say don't consider it canon, but they're like, yeah, it wasn't really the start of the run. Uh, so what happens is he's there. Uh, obviously, you know, Pertwee regenerated into him. Uh, and he was a nut. There, there is anybody that knows Tom Baker, even personally, from what I understand, he's, uh, he's a bit of a nutter, as they say. He's uh, eccentric. eccentric. Yes, very, very eccentric. Uh, he's British, that's why he can get away with it. Exactly right. He's, he's that lovable <laughs> British eccentric who's going to hand you a jelly baby or something uh, and, and give you that goofy, toothy grin of his uh, while he says some insane non sequitur. Uh, <laughs> and he had this way of talking his way through a thing. He brought the uh, frustrated yeah. toughness of both Hartnell and, to some extent, Pertwee, uh, and yet... Yeah, and he rattled off some really quick phrase that would remind you of a Pertwee sort of a thing, uh, like why this is happening, and, but kind of under his breath. And then he would switch gears immediately, just like, like that, and have a big old goofy smile and say something and act like a child. And I'm like, what the hell's wrong with this guy? And it made him fascinating. That was why you know everybody that got into Doctor Who at that point in history was like, wow, this is awesome. What the hell is this? Everybody that was put off by it was put off because he was nuts. <laughs> uh, but obviously, wrong. well, well, Baker, but, Baker was the rock star of Doctor yeah, Who. Definitely, yeah. he still is. He still is to this yeah, day. Still is. No. Yeah. Uh, there, there is an arguable one who is your favorite that you know people are going for now. But uh, otherwise, <laughs> you know, most people say, "Oh, yeah, Tom Baker, Doctor Who." Okay, uh, he is the one that everybody clamors for, and. You know, you can't argue with it. You know, there, it's not like we say, okay, Hart and is a little tough to get into, whatever. Baker is instantly, you love him or you hate him, but he's just, he's there and you cannot, he's like a force of nature. He walks in the room, you cannot ignore him. You can say that about yeah. Pertwee as well, but Pertwee is more of a rationalist. 
Uh, he's sane. He's logical. He's emotional. He was very emotional, actually. And that's right, part of right, the, right. the thing about him that made him – he was actually the most human of doctors to that point. Um, Baker was the most alien. And, and I mean that in a good sense. He was just like, what the fuck? This guy's from outer space. And you, you actually think that just thinking of him as the actor. So forget about him as the doctor. It's like, okay, well, that fits. I guess he's an alien. Um, it was almost like that thing they talked about later, like unstable regenerations. You had to wonder if he was on unstable regeneration. He was just totally cracked. And he could pull off something like uh, a Basil Rathbone because he did that with Townsend Wen Chiang, which spawned this uh, series that's still going on with Big Finish, which I love. Uh, Jago and Lightfoot, which is the two guys from that serial from 1977. Uh, they're still, you know, alive. These old folks uh, and doing these audios, and they're great. And they're basically still doing like Victorian detective type stuff. Uh, but that's what it was. He could pull that off. He was very much of like an insane Basil Rathbone. Uh, <laughs> so those of you who love the old Sherlock Holmes yeah, will, yeah. uh, will appreciate that right away. Um, and then he had uh, Sarah Jane with him, and that was his favorite companion. You could tell. Uh, they got on very well. Um, and then in the beginning, they had this fellow, Harry Sullivan, who, like I said, they had brought him in to be the muscle again to do all the, the action work because they thought they were casting somebody else. But then when they had Baker, I'm like, well, what the hell do we need Harry for? So they gave him a couple episodes, and they just kind of parted ways with him. Um, so most of his run and most of the run that people remember is with Sarah Jane. And I think that's why they like him because – uh, the strongest writing of the series, I mean, maybe of who as a whole, but definitely of this uh, run of Tom Baker, was done during this period. Uh, they found that Philip Hinchcliffe was producing for a while. Barry Letts had left. Uh, and he was very much into gothic horror and gothic science fiction. And you would have him doing stuff that really pushed him up. Right. Okay. Go ahead. I've been talking and it a lot. Also, it also bridged... Yeah, that's okay. It also bridged the the seventies into the eighties. He because yeah. his tenure was seventy four through eighty one, right. so he bridged that period. He took us through, he took us through the singer songwriter phase of 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 <laughs> TV, and he brought us into like uh, the the good album, you know, the 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 epic year of like good albums being made, you know, like. That, that's how my analogy for life is, you know, like 74 <laughs> to 81. Okay, 78 to 81 was two good years, three to four good years. And, and you know, Tom Baker th- took us through that period. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, though, I think we staggered a little bit after that. Yeah. So, anyway, what happens with, with uh, Baker, though, is he was there for this many years. So, obviously, there was a lot of changes that went on. Uh, unit went away they, almost immediately. Um, and eventually, Sarah Jean Smith, who was kind of this um, feminist in the goofy sense, you know, like the Godspell type feminist, she would actually dress like a uh, like Lookie from Shira, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this it's it's the problem I have with feminists from that era. Uh, she's okay. very bossy and demanding, like, oh yeah, take me seriously. But then three seconds later, she's like, oh, my God, why didn't you hold the door for me? Oh, help. I'm a, I'm a helpless little girl. I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on a second. I thought you wanted to be, you know, why don't you stand up for yourself? Why don't you show me some measure of spunk to go with all that mouthiness. And it's just not there. She's just all mouth. So I never liked her. Um, and I still don't. No. Um, 
she was definitely not my favorite companion by a long shot. And I know that's like sacrilege to classic Whovians who, oh, Sarah Jane Smith, the greatest companion ever. Yeah, right. Uh, when Hellfreeze is over. But, um, but they did have a rapport because they obviously liked each other. I and like how she said, showed up years later, though. That was pretty cool. Well, yeah, they they brought people back eventually because, you know, again, not to the series. But I really think what people remember most about his run, especially with her, was all these Hinchcliffe episodes. You know, the fact that they were doing stuff like, you know, the Brain of Morbius and, you know, the Hand of Fear and, um, you know, Talent. Well, that was later. But, um, you know, uh, Ark in Space and uh, these these kinds of Pyramids of Mars, uh, the Green, was it the Green Death? No, no, sorry, not the Green Death. Uh, it's Seeds of Death, I believe it was. One was Seeds of Doom, one was Seeds of Death. They had the one in the, the Troughton, which was basically the, um, the Ice Warriors episode, and they had the one with uh, Baker, which was much better, where it was basically like, uh, almost like a Day of the Triffids kind of a thing, where it, the thing was involved, sort of, because they went up to Antarctica and they brought back these seeds and these these crinoids. Oh, I remember that. Yes, yes. That yeah. Great, fantastic episode. Fantastic writing. Robert Holmes was doing some of his best writing at this point. Very, very strong point for the series. It may have been the series' strongest point per se. And therefore, because she was involved in that, people like, I think they're just kind of um, uh, projecting, you know, kind of like you do when, when you go to a, a psychotherapist and you start like falling in love with them. That kind of projection, <laughs> transference, that's what it is. Uh because on her own merits, it's just not there. No, I never felt uh, up with a therapist. No, no, no. Well, I didn't say that. But I may want to do. lay one, but I never. People do this, and do that's they? what I think happened here. Yeah, apparently. It's actually a, a thing, you know, transference. A psychological, uh, what do you want to call it? A case study, I guess, if you will. Um, uh, that's probably why I had more success with male therapists. I didn't want to fall in love with them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so she left at one point, and we got uh, a companion I like a lot, but who had some failings just from the way they wrote her, uh, which was Leela, which was Louise Jameson. Uh, she's actually my favorite of his companions, of the Baker companions. Um, basically, she was supposed to be this savage, and she was like getting uh, normalized, if you will, by her. And that was part of the fun of episodes like Towns of Wang Chang and um, Horror Fang Rock, which are two of my favorites. Uh, just trying to get her not to be this you know, future savage, if you will, and learn the, the conventions of society. And, and at the same time, I was kind of like taking a, a, the piss out of them in the first place. Like, well, really? Are these that important? Is she really right about this stuff? Uh, so she was around for a while, but Baker did not get on with her and did not treat her well at that point, as I understand. So it was kind of a rocky relationship. And uh, the uh, people had changed behind the scenes. You know, um, uh, he had left uh, Hinchcliffe, and I think Graham Williams took over. And then you got Douglas Adams, and it just kind of got messy. And eventually you went up with John Nathan Turner. Uh, so the Leela episodes, as you move on, the first couple are really strong. Uh, you know, Harfang Rock is great. Uh, Wang Chiang is great. Invisible Enemy. And Fendal I liked just because it was spooky, but it wasn't great. You know, Sunmakers, really? You got a whole thing. Of, was it the Sunmakers or Underworld where uh, Robert Holmes was bitching about having to pay taxes? That's what it was all about. That was the whole freaking episode. I'm like, come on, really? Um, you know, the Invasion of Time, okay, that wasn't too bad, but it wasn't great. And they basically married her off to some guy who was... I'm sorry, but I thought he was gay. <laughs> so, like, why? Well, that's it? Leela's going to go marry with this guy? Really? It was only There's nothing wrong with that. 
No, but I mean, the fact is, like, why was he with her? He should have been going out to the doctor. I mean, it was that kind of a thing. Like, it was in no way believable that she was, you know, this noble savage, if you will, that was learning the ways of civilization was suddenly going to go off with this guy who was, like, really effeminate and had not much of a personality. Um, yeah, so but it, come on. You know, but, 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 but we're, we're ignoring some aspect of the doctor. Of all these guys I've seen, nobody's really a, a guy's guy. John Perry. Yeah. John Perry was. Uh, I, I guess you could probably say out of all these guys, beside Perry. You ever see his? You ever see his naval tattoo? He's got a big, uh, big ass anchor on his bust. I think I'll kick your ass. Yes, <laughs> Eccleston. Eccleston. Uh, well, Eccleston too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, Eccleston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely one that we haven't gotten there yet, but we'll get there soon. Um, we gotta get there. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> you know, we're almost through Baker, so we're doing pretty good. Um. So towards the end now, they had another switch, and they brought in the Romanas. Now, the first one I really liked, uh, Mary Tam. She was, you know, this is my idea of a, a sassy woman. She just gave him, put, put him in his place a man like three foot tall, but he wasn't having any of it either. So she was like a really equal match for the guy. Liked her a lot. She had this kind of 40s elegance, um, very sexy woman, very strong-willed but not obnoxious, you know, the opposite of, like, Sarah Jane Smith. Uh, she was just self-assured and um, knew who she was, you know, but really kind of what a strong woman should be as opposed to just being mouthy like, you know, Sarah Jane was. Um, and yet she didn't last for too long. She was only there for a couple of episodes, uh, basically this key to time thing, which is kind of miscalculated, um, if you want to call it a season-long story that they wrote. But there were good parts to it. You know, I like the Stones of Blood, let's put it that way. Um, and she they decided, well, okay, she's going to leave. Let's have somebody regenerate. We'll keep the character Romana. And they brought in Mary Tam, who was uh, – not Mary Tam, I'm sorry um, – Oh, what the hell is her name? Oh, yeah, now I'm forgetting her name even. Uh, but anyway, people are crucified for that one. <laughs> but the second Romana, everybody loves her better for some reason. Yes, she was cute. There's no doubt about that. But I had an issue with her little girly girl act. I mean, she literally was going around dressed up like Buster Brown and licking lollipops. It was that kind of like, really? Um, That's kind of cute. Lala Ward, that was her name. Lala Ward. Uh, it was just cheesy, man. And she really had poor dress sense. Um, and interestingly enough, she actually fell for him, and they were married for a very brief time until she found out basically how nuts she was, as far as I can tell. Uh, and she backed off, and <laughs> that was the end of it. And they continued to work together for a little bit um, because they're professionals. Um, but <laughs> I will say that some of her episodes were better because, for instance, she was involved with City of Death, which was a, a, a Doug Adams one, but it was actually a very good one. Um, actually, he didn't write it. It was, uh, yeah, no, he did partly write it. You're right. Um, that is one of the most known of the classic Who episodes, and for good reason. I mean, there's comedy in it. You know, you get uh, John Cleese at the end and everything else, but basically it's kind of this um they go to paris which is nice they don't get too many location shots in those days and it there's really kind of this decadent drawing room sort of battle if you will with this alien that you know basically his time ship goes back into time and starts evolution on earth i mean a ridiculous story but it, it was really good and fun 
But a lot of the episodes at this point were really kind of weak. You know, Creature from the Pit, uh, Horns of Nymon, Shada actually got canceled. You know, it never really got released. Um, it only came out on VHS and then I think DVD many years later. And then Graham Williams and Doug Sams took off. And they brought in this fellow who was basically the production manager, John Nathan Turner. Uh, now, Turner was a very flamboyant fellow. Uh, he really should have been directing Cast Up the Music or something, like uh, you know, Alan Carr or something. Um, but they put him on Who because he had a love for Who and had been doing some work there. And unfortunately, his run from here on out, like you had said, was divisive. Um he had originally said he was going to try to make it more hard sci-fi, and that was a failing right away because his first couple episodes were terrible. The Leisure Hive, Meglos, Full Circle, uh, really, really, his first season basically sucked. The only things that were interesting was State of Decay took a older Robert Holmes uh, vampire, or maybe it was Terrence Dix, I forget, uh, a vampire story that they were going to do back, way back before... It might have even been a Pergwee story, but it was definitely early Baker. And it never got made, so they bastardized it, totally made it, I don't know, they took all the life out of it and made it into the part of this e-space thing where they introduced this annoying fellow, Matthew Waterhouse's Adric. Uh, you know, I can't tell you, I really, I've kind of appreciated him a little bit more as the years went on, but it took a long time to get there. And he is probably one of the most hated companions of Doctor Who across the board. If you ask any Who of you from that era, like, oh, God, Adric. Um, mouthy little kid that was basically, he's supposed to be a mathematics genius or something. I don't know. And they found him in this pocket universe. The only episode that Jonathan Turner did in his first season that was any freaking good at all was Warrior Skate. And that was just because they had no money, so they had to do these weird things where it was all like, you remember the early MTV videos where they kind of whited out everything, so they were basically all the bands were performing on a white background, uh, so everything looked like it was see-through glass. It was like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode. And you know, they went to this castle, and they had these lion men, and it didn't make a hell of a lot of sense, but it was atmospheric and bizarre and forward-thinking. Uh, the rest of his run, that was terrible. And Baker just basically wanted out at this point. He was being kind of irascible, offset. Um, he was trying to make changes and yelling at directors and writers and everything else. And he just he, I think he had gotten sick, actually, at this point, too. He actually had some kind of problem going on. Uh, and he just said, okay, it was kind of a mutual thing. Like, all right, let's, enough with this. And uh, so he finally walked away. After well, all those years. and... and, and- and 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 I, th- I think we should also make a point that uh, while he did do some stage work in between, you know, when he had some off time, uh, he never made the uh, unlike John Pertwee, who was a little bit more successful uh, on uh, small screen and large. Uh, Tom Baker never became the movie star, and right. I think in a way he wanted to, and it didn't he- happen. If anybody was typecast by Who, he is the one. He yeah. is the Christopher Lee of Who. Uh, uh, I mean, eventually Lee did other stuff, but it, that took a long time. He was always seen as Dracula, and you know Baker is to this day always seen as Doctor Who. Um, yeah. So then they brought in this fellow who was actually a fellow named Tristan on uh, a drama about it was this horrible like veterinarian's drama out in the country in England uh, called All Creatures Great and Small. And he was this one of the doctors there, one of those good-hearted doctors or whatever, helping out with the animals and helping the flowers and the cows and shit. Uh, like, you like this. I was like, wow, this is too uh, – got to take care of the cows, man. <laughs> 
<laughs> nothing wrong with that, but it was just like it was kind of turgid. Um, so they took him and cast him, and you know he's a nice guy. You know he was certainly handsome enough for the type, and he was tall, uh, but. Yeah. There was something about his style. I don't know if it was like I think he had such an obvious comb over, though. Oh yes, but uh, I'm not worried about that. The thing is that he had (laughs) that hair may not have been a conscious choice where he decided not to take center stage. I was like, wait a minute, Doctor Who not being the center of a chin? What the fuck? So he backed off and let his, if you will, guest cast, his companions take over. So as they had, okay, you already had Adric now hanging around. You already had Nyssa, who came in with Keeper of Troc and with uh, one of uh, uh, Baker's, well, not last episodes, but towards the end. Um, now you had, they started bringing people in. Tegan, this annoying, annoying five-foot Australian uh, air hostess, and, you know, it's funny because people laugh at this day. Like, well, don't air hostesses, especially on, like, you know, uh, whatever, Qantas, whatever, have a height restriction? Wouldn't she be too short? But <laughs> but really mouthy and obnoxious. Uh, my father <laughs> liked her for some reason. I don't understand why. He he did like her right off. I only paid attention to her during the, the one that everyone makes fun of when she got that kind of Van Halen guitar skirt, the leather skirt and the little Van Halen top. And all of a sudden I was like, Okay, yeah, she ain't so bad looking. <laughs> but before that, she was running around <laughs> and she was just being all mouth. I'm like, yeah, oh, I, shut up. And every episode, I'm taking it back. So, I've, got to yeah. go, I've got to go back to, you know, Heathrow. Fucking. And, and she would try to take over the TARDIS and bring it back. You dumb. Let, let go of the freaking controls, you moron. Uh, I want like, why, Well, that's why it. these three guys, <laughs> these three guys that were in this period, they only did a year and a half each. Well, tr- yeah, he was here a little bit longer, I think, uh, but longer than the rest of them. But, yeah, it wasn't that long. Um, yeah. And then he started bringing other people. As people would disappear, all of a sudden, okay, well, Andrew got killed off, which was kind of cheesy, but whatever. Um, and then I think Nissa uh, might have went away. I don't remember what the deal was there. Uh, and then they started bringing people like Turlo, who everybody hated, but – in retrospect, he wasn't all that bad. You know, he was supposed to be the requisite, like, ooh, is he a bad guy? But then, no, he turns to have a heart of gold or whatever, how I make the right decision at the end. And they developed him better in the audio, so I have a different perspective on him now. Uh, but at the time, I was like, really? Some, like, you know, 35-year-old guy walking around in short shorts? What the hell is Yangus Young? What's wrong with that? He's supposed to be a schoolboy. Yeah, right. Um, and then they had this horrible idea where somebody had tried to sell a robot to John Nathan Turner. Like, oh, look, we have an animatronic robot. So they put in this thing called Chameleon, and it didn't work. <laughs> oh, and of course, they still had these canines running around. The canine was this robot dog that they brought about during the Leela era. Leela took one with her. Yeah, they yeah. They the damn robot right. back. So then uh, the second model, Lala Ward, took one of them with her. So now there's two canines out there. And whoops, there was the third one for Canine and Company, which was the special that Sarah Jane Smith did, which is, I actually like that one a lot. It's kind of like a cheesy, occultic sort of one off. Uh, you know, she's basically investigating a, a um, Wicker Man type cult. Uh, and freaking canines there. Um, interesting show if you anybody has the opportunity to see it. I know people talk bad about it, but it's much better than you. The, the reputation is. Uh, but anyway, so they had this kind of nonsense going on, and there were some good episodes in his run. I like Black Orchid a lot. Problem is, it was two episodes. Um, you know, there were other ones that were halfway decent. You know, Visitation wasn't too bad. Uh, Arkham Infinity was okay. 
Oh, and of course, everybody's talking about the damn. Um, we were talking before about the nonsense uh, Buddhism thing that uh, Barry Letts was into. Everybody loves these two stupid episodes, uh, kinda, which they say kinda, and Snake Dance. Oh, you know, look, you know, if, if that's your religion, you believe in that stuff, all right, fine, whatever. But oh, it was just stupid. <laughs> fine, those whatever. episodes, yeah, <laughs> the, those episodes are horrible. The whole Zen Cohen thing, yeah, okay, it would sound one hand clapping. No, but it's no fucking sound, moron. <laughs> What's the sound of a tree falling in the woods? Well, yeah, it makes a sound, though, right? Just because you're not there. It was the whole roll rub on your ass? I mean, come on, really? Hey, uh, now, I, hey, wait, wait, wait. I was Buddhist, I was Buddhist for one year, so I, oh, wow. I understand. I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> I mean, I studied this stuff, too, but I, was, I always thought it was nonsensical. Well, really, it was one whatever. year. Yeah, exactly. That's that, that says from there. Uh, well, I, 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 yeah, I, I went in, I went out. You know. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's because you had some common sense. But anyway, there's a couple of episodes that aren't that bad. Um, the Five Doctors came during this time, and yeah, it was a mess. Yes. There's a lot of problems with it, but yeah, there, were episodes, there were parts of it that were good. The Awakening, another two-episode one. I like that one a lot. Uh, basically, everything else during his run sucks <laughs> as a story. Uh, it's just It just doesn't work. And even back in the 80s when it was on, I stopped watching Doctor Who because they were showing Davidson episodes. I'm like, eh, this, this isn't working for me. I'm sorry. Uh, years later, yeah, I got into him somewhat. The big finish definitely rehabilitated the man. I like Peter Davidson as a person a lot. I like his audio incarnation a lot. And now I can watch and, and I collected all of his uh, TV ones, but I still don't think they're very good, uh, the TV ones I'm talking. Um, it just didn't work. And... From there, you went to – they had a radical decision. Okay, what are we going to do now? Uh, he wants to leave too. Well, there's a dinner party going on, and a fellow named Colin Baker is holding court. Uh, he was known <laughs> as a baddie from the show called The Brothers. And, you know, I love Colin Baker. I think he's – I met him personally. I love his audios. Uh, I love him not just as the doctor, but in his appearances he did with Dark Shadows and other things. And honestly, I actually really like his televised run, which a lot of people don't. Uh, but I can understand people having problems with it because it was a weird time. Um, first off, they made a lot of changes. Big mistake number one. They started him in the end of Davison's season instead of waiting until, okay, here's the regeneration, see you in the fall. They started him up in the summertime. And they did him on this really bad cliffhanger. This is thing... Uh, the, the thing that they started with was a twin dilemma, one of the worst episodes ever made in Doctor Who. Um, they had this idea that he was an unstable regeneration, so they started him off by strangling his companion. Uh, mm. There were things in there. At one point, he had uh, basically a gun and uh, was, I don't think he had threatened or shot one of the Cybermen. Uh, he had a, a, one episode where this guy was kind of fighting him next to a pool of acid, trying to throw him in it, and he basically, you know, fought him off, basically shoved him backwards, but there the guy goes into a pool of acid, and it's like, well, all right, I understand why he did it. I had no problem with his interpretation of it, and I know where he planned on going with it, because this wasn't supposed to be, okay, we're leaving it here. We're supposed to develop and change as a doctor. This is kind of a radical idea they worked out together. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. It was too much of a shock to the system. Everybody was like, what the hell's going on? And this was during a time when uh, Michael Grade and the BBC were saying, you know what, let's can who? We don't want to waste our money on this crap anymore. I want, I've got a new pet series I want to put out called EastEnders. Uh, let's take the money and throw it towards that, you know, our drama budget. And 
all this kind of came together at once. They had changed the um, episodes from being the four 20-minute episodes, whatever, to two 45-minute episodes, which is kind of strange and painful to watch in a way. Uh, and you had all this other stuff going on. Plus, he was brassy. He had the world's tackiest outfit. They gave him this uh, coat that was kind of like Elvis with the sundial uh, jumpsuits. Uh, this multicolored, you know, Joseph Technicolor dream coat kind of thing. And he was deliberately off-putting. He had the obnoxiousness of Pertwee and Hartnell and Tom Baker, but at least in the beginning on the TV thing, without the lovability. Now, later that came. It even came on the TV one. You can see it when they have the comeback um, later on uh, when they were doing the Trial of the Time Lord. You see him walking around with Perry, and all of a sudden their dynamic has changed entirely. I'm like, oh, what happened here? But before that, it's kind of dodgy. You know, they kind of bicker a lot. There's a lot of – and so people did not buy into this. They basically succeeded in taking the show off the air. They said they were putting on a hiatus, probably with a plan to never bring it back. Uh, the people had complained. They put out a really bad record, <laughs> Doctor in Distress, which is hilarious. Um, and eventually it came back, but it was too late. Uh, and you ha- oh, and he also had a scene uh, which is actually one of the better ones. He does Vengeance on Varos, which is basically about TV and reality TV. It kind of called it in advance, and so you have people getting tortured for entertainment on television. And this in 1985 was like, oh my god, what are we watching? This is children's entertainment. So people have problems with his run. Uh, and when he did come back, there was also problems with the script editor Eric Sayward, who was a real ornery cuss. Uh, and was having issues with uh, Jonathan Turner and issues with Michael Grade. And when they brought it back, because he said, oh, well, you know what? The series is on trial. Let's put the doctor on trial. Stupidest fucking idea ever. Uh, so they had an entire season worth of this nonsense. The only episode worth keeping out of there is one that, again, people seem to hate. Terror of the Vervoids, which had Honor Blackman in it. And it was an old Dark House type thing. And it was very sci-fi. It was the only one that worked in that entire season. But people hate it for some reason. Uh, So anyway, he went away and people were only too glad to see him go, unfortunately. And I really don't think that was a fair shake. Because especially having seen where he went with the audios... And knowing the guy and his basically his plans where he said he was thinking of going and knowing the kind of guy he is and having met him, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can watch these things and I see that in him. I see the good inside all the questionable stuff. But somebody just walking off the street, I can forgive them for saying, oh, God, this is horrible. What is this? I can see why the series got canceled almost. Uh, it was just a confluence of bad decisions and um, various things going on at the time. So after him, you got Sylvester McCoy, and which which I think was a really really bad decision. It was a strange decision. This is a guy that was basically known for going around and stuffing ferrets down his shorts. <laughs> Seriously, he would show up on TV, and that was his thing. He he did this sort of comedy slash stunt. Um, sort of a thing, and it was almost like uh, a less annoying Gallagher, and he would do things like that. He would stuff ferrets down his trousers, and like, he'd be like, oh, oh, oh. Uh, wasn't he wasn't like do- a ferret love kind of guy, was he? No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> it was for comedy. It was like whatever. It was crazy snuck. He was lunatic. Well, you never it. know. No. <laughs> But he was basically this weird comedian. Uh, So he came in and he started doing his comedy. And they paired him with Bonnie Langford, who was this 
Uh, picture like the start of Annie from the 70s, uh, all of a sudden, or Pippi Longstocking, finally grown up, and now she's on Doctor Who with this guy who stuffs first on his pants. And I'm like, what the fuck are you thinking? And he puts him in, once again, the world's worst clothes. I mean, the clothes that Mel wore were just like abominable. They hurt your eyes. And he decided, you know what? She can shriek really well. So they made her the screamer, and she was more of a screamer than Victoria or Polly ever were. Yeah! All the time. That's all everybody was associated with Mel. Again, on audios, I think she's actually the best companion they have. She's fantastic on the audios for Big Finish. But on TV, uh, yeah, because mostly because of that and because of the visuals. Uh, her as a person, she's fine. Nothing wrong with her. It was a little cheesy that she was supposed to be an exercise person and harassing uh, Colin Baker, drink carrot juice, and ride an exercise bike. That was just kind of comic in the wrong way. But, uh, you know, there were some good episodes, though. And I actually like Sylvester McCoy's TV run better than anything else from the 80s. Um, you know, once you get past the, the earlier, the, the Hinchcliffe era, this was the best Doctor Who they had. Uh, Time of the Ronnie was questionable, but Paradise Towers, there was kind of like a Gigi Ballard kind of a thing. Yeah, okay, it doesn't all work, but all right, you know, there's politics, it's futuristic, it's cyberpunk, it's 2000 AD, it works. Uh, Delta and the Bannerman has its problems, but okay, it, there's a lot of it that works. Dragonfire is kind of a mess. Remembrance of the Daleks. Everybody loves this one. They actually did a series of spin-off for that one, too. Countermeasures, uh, on Big Finish. Um, you know, Ace was the next companion. She is one of my favorite companions. This kind of brassy, cockney girl who was uh, a ne'er-do-well, really liked to blow shit up, literally. She would always carry, like, dynamite with her and crap, uh, and a baseball bat. And, you know, she was just a, a tough girl. And she actually kind of reminds me of an old girlfriend of mine, which I've told her, which makes both of us laugh. Uh, but, you know, she was definitely a take-no-shit kind of girl, and I like that. Um, she, you got stuff like Remembrance of the Daleks, which everybody remembers for her taking the baseball bat and beating the shit out of a Dalek. Um, Happiness Patrol, it's, it's kind of this anti-Thatcher thing, which was really great in terms of the scripting. It's just the visuals were too day-glow. Uh, and they had this thing called the Canyon. It was just ridiculous. Silver Nemesis was kind of a mess. They brought in Anton Differing into that damn thing. There was Nazis. There was Cybermen. There was it was just kind of crazy. But nice location work, and you know it wasn't that horrible. Greatest show in the galaxy. You know that was lots of fun. It's a kind of eerie circus. It brought out all the creepiness of clowns. I mean, I liked that one a lot. Um, Battlefield, you know, there you go with um, Brigadier Bambero. We talked about her a couple times. Angela Bruce, um, and of course, I had mentioned about uh, Pertwee's old wife. There, uh, she shows up in this as well as Morgan Fay. Uh, it works, you know. Ghostlight, everybody talks great about it. It doesn't work. Uh, it's kind of a mess. It's some pseudo evolution, everything. It's just I don't know. It, it's kind of garbage, uh, but people think it's great. Uh, Curse of Fenric, same thing. Everybody thinks it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. It should work. There's vampires in it. There's monsters from the end of time. There's a, a you know the doctor does his dark doctor thing for the first time. Uh, this is actually where it comes from, folks. It came from Sylvester McCoy. Uh, he had changed his persona from this comic thing to being a sort of manipulating schemer who was doing things, and he kind of knew Ace was like going on the wrong path, and he was guiding and steering her and training her and whatever the hell else, and he never tells anybody's motivations. This is where it came from. But the episode still doesn't work. Uh, survival, 
that was much better, but it was unfortunately their last episode. And there were some issues. You know, the Cheetah Men and all that stuff was cheesy. And you have Anthony Ailey was the master during all this time, and he was really kind of fey. It, it did not work. Uh, I did not buy him as somebody who would have any charisma to you know, hypnotize people and lead them. He was more kind of like the nervous Nelly that would kind of hide in the back of the bus. Like, oh, don't touch me. You know, everybody stay away from me. Uh, so it just didn't work. And unfortunately, from there on, you've got masters that were like Eric Roberts in the uh, the Eighth Doctor thing, because that was a movie, that was a TV movie from the U.S., uh, which was kind of a mess. Uh, there's parts of it that work. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and this was a long time after. You know, we got canceled in 89. This was 96. Uh, they were threatening to do a Doctor Who movie for years, and I'm like, by the time it came out, I'm like, ah, it's it's over with. It's so long afterwards. And it was done by Americans, and it's not going to work, and it kind of didn't. Uh, Paul McGann, though, you know, he's a decent little character. It kind of did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I liked him in Paper Mask. I mean, you know, he's, he's a nice and, guy. And actually, I think he redeemed it. He you re- think he redeemed it? He re- I think he redeemed himself years later, but he did that little mini thing, remember that? Yes, yes, you're right. Uh, the thing with him is, and he was, he's actually one of the better, well, better, they're all decent, but he's a, a good doctor on the Big Finish Audios. But the thing about him is that they kind of pushed, because it was the Americans, they pushed it over the line a little too much. They made it too bombastic. They made it too yeah. much special effects. They threw Eric Roberts in as the master, and unfortunately, every master since has been influenced by and leading off of Eric Roberts, and that was a huge mistake. Maybe, uh, maybe not. Yeah. Uh, no, nah, trust me, they have, especially if you listen to the audio. They just kind of say, oh, look, how can make Eric Roberts even crazier? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, throw in even more of the homoerotic elements that was going on between him and you know whatever the Yi Jung So, Yeah, good idea. Uh, horrible, horrible idea. Stupid. Anybody that's doing this, anybody that's writing for Doctor Who, please stop. <laughs> Don't do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> bring back the Roger Delgado Master you know, or some equivalent thereof. Uh, enough with the Eric Roberts. So, but you know, the movie—they had things like all of a sudden he's romantic and he's sharing a kiss with the, the companion. Like, what the hell? The doctor doesn't do this shit. Um, and in between, we actually had odd little things that were kind of leaning that direction too. Like, Bill Bags was a fan of Who, who went and started doing these sort of unauthorized sort of Who things that were had different names, like the Stranger and the Time Travelers and Probe mm. and whatever the hell else. And, uh, you know, the Airborne Solution. And they would have people in, like Carolyn John would be in it, and Colin Baker was in it. And he was actually in it with his companion, Nicola Bryant. And they made out in one episode. Uh, we're talking about The Stranger there. And Nick Briggs, who was like a big head honcho, a big finish, was in one or two of those episodes with them. Uh, you know, McCoy and Ace were in it, but with different names of the time travelers. Some of the stuff worked, some of it didn't. But as fan projects, it was like, okay. They kept Who alive during a very fallow period. But after another one, after uh, uh, Paul McGann, right? Where where uh, they actually revived the show again? Right, and that's what happened. Uh, Ten years after Paul McGann, ninety six, also now it's two thousand five. This fellow Russell T Davies, who's probably even more flamboyant in his own way uh, than uh, Jonathan Turner was back in his day. 
revived the series and simultaneously made it darker, which he really let that Jones go out with uh, Torchwood, which is another series that we enjoyed for two seasons. Uh, after that, you know, he killed all the characters off. That was kind of it for us, but hey. Uh, and, you know, we love John Barrowman as Captain Jack, of course. Um, and that was a spinoff of this. And when he brought the series back, he brought in fellow Christopher Eccleston, who's, as far as I know, his only big claim to fame was uh, 28 Days Later. <laughs> he was like the, no, the baddie no. uh, guy. Train spotting. You're, excuse me, you're right. Um, yeah, I forgot yeah, about that, that one. Yeah, train spotting. And, and of course, he, the same director. He was in 28 Days Later. Uh which is, uh, and you know, it's funny. Um, we, we, you and I both had the same exposure, I guess. Uh, well, I had Train Spotting, and then I had Twenty Eight Days Later, which is a movie I really, really like. I, I wasn't sure if I would. No, it's and good. Then, and then when Christopher Eccleston showed up in the movie as a, uh, a military man, and the whole movie died. Split- yeah, yeah, totally split into two for me. I was like, oh, what kind of movie is this now? Before that, it was fantastic. When he showed up, it was like, oh, my God, I can't stand this guy. I can't stand this culture. They got the... I mean, that's what he was supposed to be playing. It was kind of like Survivors when they go into that yeah, you know, yeah, other special they, town of people that... But, you know... It, and they were, they were rapists, and they were like, yes. oh, I didn't... Yeah. Oh, Like I said, it was just like Survivors. It, right, exactly. Then, it was a bad taste. And I was yeah, like, yeah. I don't like this guy. But then he shows up in Who, and you know what? He did a good job. He brought up, I mean, I'll let you get into it because this is more your era. But um, for me, yeah, he yeah, brought yeah. a lot of Tom Baker back. And yet, he brought the energy and physicality of John Pertwee back. So I was like, okay, this works. So go ahead. I really I really like Christopher Eccleston. He, it's almost like, uh, if we can say to a lot of people, who is this guy? He came out of nowhere. He was like the familiar face that people can't really quite remember, but he's been in a few movies. And he was a brash. He's, uh, what is he, Scottish, Irish? Uh, I think he's Scottish, yeah. Uh, yeah, he could be a Scot, yeah. And and so he has a, a very authoritative manner. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I, I I I I liked how they played with him. You know, the, yes, he did. He did bring back remembrances of other previous actors who played the Doctor. And the, come on, he gave that same stupid toothy grin all the time, like a sheepish grin, just like Tom Baker. And yet, yeah. you know, most of the time he's bounding around, just like John Pertwee in his best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 then the Eccleston they introduced Rose, uh, which which I knew you have a problem with. Uh, well, uh, yeah, okay, go ahead, say what you got to say first of all. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, she's a Cockney, British Cockney girl, and and, and uh, she's from. Uh, well, she's working, you know, and she's got a mom who's like this. Uh, I don't know. Wouldn't you call her chubby milk type, but you know she's up I there. I like so. her. You, you want to call I like her. Picture? I would be Jackie. I love Jackie. I like Jackie a lot more than Rose. <laughs> I like Jackie, and then then there's this Rose's boyfriend, um, yep. whose name Mickey. escaped me. Mickey, yes. <laughs> and, and Mickey, Mickey's really good. He's played by actually an actor who's actually directing nowadays, and uh, and I caught him in a couple in a small role in a couple oddities. It's actually a new Star Wars movie 
Actually, Guys, Mickey was at the Long Island Who this year. He was no oh, one I wanted to see. There you go. Yeah, there's somebody I wanted to see too. Yeah, I would have wanted to see him. So, I like him. I like him too. Yeah, and um, um, it seems like you have a bigger problem with Rose. But well, uh, no, we'll get to it in a minute. But go ahead. No, I, I. So anyway, so this doctor shows up, this new incarnation, and and uh, I really like Eccleston. You know, um, he's brash. He he thinks on his feet. Yes, he thinks on his feet, and um, and right away, Rose kind of gets. She's just okay. So she's this cockney girl from the neighborhood, and she kind of gets drawn into this whirlpool of this. Who's this crazy guy? Um, I'm, I'm 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 drawn into his adventures, and um, it takes a few episodes actually to warm up to what their weird relationship is. I think unlike other doctor and the companion type things going on in the past. This is like they don't want to force this because she's obviously younger, right? She's older, and we're it, it's like the first time where I'm watching a Doctor Who, and it's almost like an organic. Is she liking him? Is she liking the adventures? And and then of course I think it was the third episode, but he takes her to the end of the fucking world, the yep. end of the universe, which is really a lot for her to take in. Do you remember that one? Yes, I do. Yeah, and it's, and it's the like, second episode. <laughs> that's the second episode. Well, okay, I stand corrected. And it's like, okay, yeah, she she's starting like, who's this wild and crazy rural guy? Oh, I I kind of like him, maybe. I know, I know, I do, I don't. And you can see all this going on with her. I think Billy Piper is doing a pretty good job with this, and and uh, and Christopher Eccleston. We're not quite sure what he's thinking, you know, as a doctor when all this. And I like that. We don't know what's really going on in his mind. But, of course, he takes her to this freaking ship on the edge of the universe, watching the Earth implode on the last day of the Earth's existence. <laughs> and it's a lot for this girl to take in. It really yep. is. And, and and then what goes on in that one freaking 52-minute episode is amazing. Uh, it's just like right away. It's like, oh, this is good stuff. You got this woman who's ageless, but now all that's left of her is a piece of stretched out skin over of her canvas, and 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 it's there. There are aliens on the ship. Everybody was just, this was this the episode that introduced the face of Bo, who of course turns out to yes. be Jack. Yes. <laughs> it was the episode that introduced the face of Bo, and you know. Uh, as far as that goes, you gave it away. <laughs> oh, come on. So what, 10 years? I know. I know. <laughs> but but we didn't know it was Jack, Jack from Torchwood for years later. Yep, yep. It came out much later. Yeah, it was much later. And then even then it was like, uh, for me, it was like a, whoa. It was a surprise. Like, really? No. My wife told me, like, you've got to keep it. They didn't just say that, did they? Like, oh, yeah, he's the face of bull. I'm like, what? <laughs> Yeah, but it just makes everything well. That's that's when this whole incarnation of Doctor Who just kind of goes off the rails. I thought a little bit yeah. because we start playing with going forward, going back, going forward, going back to things we we never saw before, and going so far forward that we will in the next six years 
refer to things that you've not seen before. Yep. And and, and you're just like totally fuck with your head, but I loved it. I loved it. My problem. I thought Chris it, was very good. Go ahead. Oh, Chris was great. I, I actually, until a certain doctor showed up, he was my favorite New Who doctor, uh, and he's still definitely my number two without question. Uh, oh, you're number I, two. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I really love the physicality. I really love the Tom Baker thing. I picked that up right away the first time we saw it. I'm like, wow, he's actually trying to do Tom Baker, and it's working. Uh, you know. It, the whole thing, the dynamic he had with Rose was excellent. Um, I really liked Jackie. Rose was kind of iffy for me. She was a little bit too brassy, a little too mouthy, a little too um, low class, if you will. I mean, they were both kind of Cockneys and you know East End types, but she really yeah. kind of wore it on her sleeve, like "Screw you, I'm a I'm a drunken barfly" kind of thing. And that that wasn't her issue, but that kind of a mentality, like "Oh my God, how crass are you, woman?" Uh, <laughs> And, you know, the fact that Billy Piper, she was kind of a um, a teen idol back in Britain there. And she was doing, I guess, kind of like Debbie Gibson type music. But this girl's got, like, yeah. different color fucking eyebrows. I'm like, can't you dye your hair so it matches your eyebrows or vice versa? <laughs> and she's... And she's overweight. I mean, okay, with Jackie, you kind of forgive her because she's like a middle-aged woman. But here's this girl that's like, you know, 20-something years old. It's like, yeah, no excuse. Come on, girl. You know, keep a little bit of shape on you. Uh, she's wearing these, like, you know, man pants and stuff, like this giant corduroy. She's drinking beer, just, man. She's drinking beer. Yeah. I'm like, this girl is so trash. Uh, and, you know, she's there with Mickey, who is you – know, my problem with Mickey was that he was very – he wasn't like effeminate like Rory, but he wasn't manly enough. He didn't stand up for himself enough. No, he no. Was Mickey like, was like Mickey ended up being the most understanding man in the world. Yeah, he was kind of getting pushed around. He was like the he. She always kept him on a string while she was screwing everybody else. Like, okay, I'll go back to Mickey later, maybe. You know, hang yeah, on there. Like, I might come back to him. I, I like, love oh, the okay. episodes where I love the episodes where Mickey was like, oh, so you really like the doctor? Well. <laughs> And, and, and like and, and like and like the doctor's like, well, Mickey, you could you, and and the, you know, Eccleston was like fucking with Mickey a lot too. Oh yeah, he was like he was he's making fun of Mickey all the time. He's like, well, Mickey called him all kinds of bullshit names. And he's like, you could you could travel with us, and then not, and 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 uh, I think there was one ep- there's two episodes there where they decided let's see what we could do with this, and they picked up this guy Adam. You remember that Adam? Uh, yes, um, yes. <laughs> and they picked up Adam because they went back into the past in the uh, United States of America. And they found some guy that was collecting all this future generation shit. And they took Adam to the far, far future. But Adam was an idiot. And, and Adam <laughs> didn't know what he was doing with his own body. And he started to retrofit his own body with some kind of future technology. Yep. Yep. And, 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 and Rose kind of like, kind of took a liking to Adam, too, and the doctor saw that, but the doctor knew right away. He's like, Adam's an idiot. We're going to drop him. And they did. (laughs) But my problem with the first season was basically just the Americanized bombast. Otherwise, I was like, okay, you know, hey, look, Doctor Who, they're bringing it back. It's not the same show at all, but I kind of like it. You know, I really like him. I don't mind her, though I have some issues. I really like the rest of the cast, uh, even though I had issues with, you know, Mickey just kind of being this, kept on a string and, like, meekly accepting, okay, well, maybe she'll come back to me. Like, come on, guy, man up. 
Now she's going to be like that till you find another woman. Get out of here. Uh, but, <laughs> but the strange thing was that I didn't dislike the character. I still like Nikki, and that's part of why I was pissed off. I'm like, come on, man, wake up. Uh, but, you know, that wasn't really the season that gave me problems. The seasons that gave me problems came right after this with your favorite doctor. So go ahead. Oh, I love Tenet. I love David Tenet. Me, me and like 50,000 <laughs> other Elvis fans. Yeah. Right, exactly. Uh, you and 50,000 other fans. <laughs> Uh, you really don't like him. Wow. No, no I really don't. Um, I really like uh, him when he was. I I think he. So I I'm watching this with Eccleston, right? So I'm following it when it's new, and I'm like following the thread of everything, and then it's like, oh, he regenerated to, to this other guy, and he's. Also brash, and he's also thinks on his feet, and it's like it was interesting what they did because Rose, by the the Eccleston only did it for one year, and and right. there's a lot of we still don't know what happened here whether there was some internal stuff going on with the BBC. yeah there's some behind the scenes yeah some behind the scenes stuff um, it would have been great to see him do it for a little longer. Maybe he'll come back one day. I got the we impression know. he had some kind of issue with Russell T. Davies. I don't know what happened, but they, that it, too something as well. Like that. Yeah. 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 So, you know, but as a, as a, as the season progressed, um, the series progressed, um, you could see she starts to like him, and he starts to like her, and then all of a sudden he regenerates in a very painful way. I think it's the first time we see the regeneration become. A painful experience, and uh, it turns into David Tennant, who actually is like all fucked up, and he, she needs to take him to Jackie, her mom, <laughs> because she's like not only is he regenerate, he's a complete mess, and the guy's like practically comatose. And I really liked his tenure, which is like about five, six years, and yeah, he was there for a while. I I like his stuff. I find I find him a very I don't know. You don't like him, and I know that. I find him a very multifaceted actor, and there are some things he has a tendency of doing as an actor, and yet he, he, these are some of the best episodes in the whole canon. I thought as well, like when the library. Like the, they go to the library, and there's a little girl who's running this futuristic library. It has all the accumulated knowledge of mankind. That's a fantastic episode. Um, that was the one where they were turning the corpses in their spacesuits, right? Yes, that's yeah, a, I remember that, one. that was a good one. Yeah. That was a good one. Uh, River Song is in that. <laughs> Another uh, one I have a problem with. But okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not a huge River Song fan. I don't know why they keep dragging her up. Uh, um, yes. <laughs> uh, I will but, go ahead. Finish up what you're saying because I'll tell you. No, no, it's a lot of good stuff in the tenant stuff. Uh, oh, sorry about that. A little redundancy there, but you know, even even a really admittedly weak episode, admittedly for me, uh, when they go down to the and you you do not have a fondness for historical stuff, right? But when they met William Shakespeare and. It, oh, I liked was, that one. It was bad, but I liked it. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah, they got shoehorned into. They went back in time, and there were ghosts, and there was a, a, a an amateur alchemist who revived dead bodies, and then the ghosts were haunting uh, William Shakespeare's current production, some <laughs> bullshit like that. 
And it was like a bit of a mess, and they shoehorned all this shit into this. And it wasn't a really good episode. And, and yeah, it was still okay. Um, but, you know, I like as it progressed. You know, we're, we're, we're into year two. He's still at Rose. And um, it's like I was thinking, like, oh, they really have affection for each other, which is dangerous because I know in the canon this doesn't really happen. It's not supposed right. to happen. Right. And uh, but he's always keeping it at bay, and she's like, "I really like this guy." And he's like, "Well, like little snippets. I give you a little bit, but not much, you know." <laughs> and but then they brought in uh, well, did they introduce Jack, uh, Captain right. Jack, uh, during this uh, during uh, year two, and uh, um, that's that's fucking fantastic, and you know. Um, I I didn't know what the hell was going on with this, and then you know, I became a huge Torchwood fan. And like you, yeah, because you know Yoshi and, and yeah, when they killed Tosh and they killed Yanto and Tosh, they killed uh, who, who's the other fella? Was it Ian? I, I forget. There's the the guy that was like the doctor that was trying to help him out. They yeah, killed yeah. off everybody that I fucking cared about, and I had gotten into the series, and we actually cared about these people. It was well written, yeah. and. And they're all dead, and all we got is Captain Jack. Okay, Captain Jack's great, but you got fucking Gwen, who I never liked from day one, and she's still there. And they bring me her poor, long-suffering boyfriend, who's kind of like the comic relief, and try to make him like a serious part. I'm like, oh, no, that's oh, it. What's, I'm his, done. what's his? What's his name? Oh my god. Oh, uh, jeez, Ian or something. I forget what his name was. I felt uh, so bad for him because, like, yeah, she, yeah, she's fucking Jack, and like Jack is fucking guys. He's fucking aliens. You know, he's like he's fucking Gwen, <laughs> and like her husband's still like, "Are you coming back?" Yes. <laughs> I love you. He's, he's yeah. another Mickey. It's the same yeah, thing. There's this, another... this tendency in New Who to must... cast sissy guys, guys well, who Russell just will, T. Like, Davies was playing with that. Though. They, they will play, play the. The traditional woman part of waiting by the phone while the wife is out screwing around, and I don't yeah. understand that. It doesn't make sense. It's not I a know. thing guys do. I mean, and they went a- they went off the rails, Torchwood, by by season three. But oh. but they uh, back to Doctor Who. They brought on you know David Tennant's still there, and I'm not sure what's going on with. <sighs> Billy Piper, but I think she went on to her own show, Secrets of a Call Girl, I think. Right. right. And so they brought in Agatha Freeman, who actually uh, guested on a few episodes uh, as a small role, and she got a much popped up role as just, the new. Just so you know, I mean, I've screwed up names myself, but you got it totally backwards. It wasn't Agatha Freeman, it was Freema Agumon. <laughs> oh, Freema Agumon, yeah, well. It was like part two. there, so. <laughs> Well, we all know it was like, the black girl. Yes, exactly. I don't, I don't want everybody to start screaming at us. Like, they don't even know who these people are. Like, <laughs> it's the, the first black girl in Doctor Who series. Okay. I liked her a lot. The problem... Well, I okay, do. Here's, here's the problem. With New Who, there's a basic problem, which is that it's too fucking Hollywood. And they like doing explosions. And they like using a lot of bad CG. And they rely on that heavily as opposed to writing. As opposed to Hollywood. As opposed to characterization. It's so Hollywood. And especially if you compare it to the old series, like, what the fuck is this? This isn't Who. Uh, But the biggest problem here 
and also the, the right to beat points. You can feel the emotional highs and the lows, and the emotional high and the low, and it's totally scripted, and it comes out. Sometimes, once you start getting to the Matt Smith era, they come so rapid fire, it's like, wait a minute, two minutes have passed, and I'm supposed to have gone through an emotional high, a low, a high, a low. Is he dead? Oh, no, wait, they're back. Oh, no, they're dead again. Oh, no, they, but we destroyed the world. No, we didn't. Like, what the fuck? What kind of stupid writing is this? I hate that. It's like pandering to the audience. Um, but the basic problem was that they took this fellow tenant and he okay he married um peter davison's daughter okay fine and he also i don't know he claims to idolize the guy but you can actually kind of tell he carried a little bit of that kind of uh, tom bakerish you know pixie grin to get myself out of a bad situation thing with him yeah. but yeah. unlike eccleston he was more of a Peter Davison sort of actor. He's weak. Uh, he comes across as weak, and then at varying points, because you know, he's all emotional, he's crying on screen and whatever the hell. Well, like, this is the doctor. He doesn't fucking cry. Uh, but he does these things where he'll have to assert his manhood and say, like, oh, yeah. you don't, you're messing with because I'm the doctor and I'm going to come back and I'm never going to forgive you and you're going to wish you were never born. And you don't buy it because he's a cuddly fucking teddy bear. And he's No, 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 I don't agree. So, I don't agree. Have, I don't agree. Yeah, yeah, here's, here's for all you him. fans have been waiting for. This is the This is the bout. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't agree at all. No, 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 no. I, I, I think... You have to understand, this is like a who that's made in 2005 to 2010. This is not your 1965 Doctor Who. And this is, is, you know, we know this. I think the guy was a good choice. Okay, was he the best possible choice in the world? Well, no, no. But he's he's really good. He's adaptable. Okay, does he get emotional? Yes, he does. Is the doctor supposed to get an emotional? That's open for interpretation. So all these things are. He um, comes across in to me canon, like no, one of the guys. On, he comes across yes. like one of the guys on Xena Warrior Princess. You know, the ones that are there just for a joke to show how tough the women are, how weak the men are. He's one of those. And like he just, I just can't that deal with it. Like, a joke. How can you even quote Xena? <laughs> seriously, that's Zena? the kind of that's the kind of guy he is. I'm like, this is not that's the crap. Doctor. This guy has no authority. Oh, he's a no, joke. No, something and, than that. and don't forget, he's going back to this whole thing like you had vaguely with the McGann yeah. Doctor, where all of a sudden he's falling in love with Rose, and they're getting all kissy-kissing. What the fuck is this? And then, after she goes and disappears, because she didn't really get there yet, I don't want to go too far ahead of you, but uh, she goes and basically dies and gives her life for the universe and crap, and... He gets this girl, you know, Freeman Agumon, you know, Martha Jones there, and she comes in, and she's totally hot for him, oh, right? Well, okay. And okay. here's this girl, and I'm sorry, but she's smoking oh. hot. She's got a great ass and pretty face, totally hot for him, totally wants Freeman? to get his pants. And, yeah, and he's just like, oh, Rose, Rose, I miss my Rose. I'm like, what the fuck? Get over this, you asshole. And <laughs> finally no, she gets no, 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 they get this horrible woman who comes in this nasty, overweight secretary. Oh, you tell me way ahead. Oh, yeah. So it's just, Tenet for me is, look, when it first started out, I'm like, okay, well, he's different. We'll see what happens. And uh, then it just kind of went south, and it kept going south, and it wouldn't stop going south. I'm like, oh, this series sucks. What the fuck oh. happened? Finally, they got Matt Smith. I'm going to be banging my head against the wall with you on this one. <laughs> uh, well, well, no. The whole thing with him and Rose was that 
There was an episode at the end of the second season where he either had to go with Rose and 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 uh, absolve himself of his immortality and his doctrineness, and you know, for lack right. of a better fucking sentence, <laughs> or be the doctor and let Rose go. And Rose went into another dimension. He actually ju- split himself up and joined her later on. This is a couple of years later. <laughs> but in the meantime, she's waiting for him. She's probably very horny by then. But <laughs> Freema... That's a fanboy thing. Let's <laughs> like, oh, go with Rose. There you go. Give him half of her fun. <laughs> Give half of her. But actually, that's what happened, too. You remember? I don't yeah. remember that point, but who knows? Yeah, he did. He split himself up. There was another... <laughs> While while he was hanging out with these other two chicks, he already was spending his whole life with Rose, but she was unfulfilled because it wasn't like the real David Tennant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you forgot this, didn't you? This is like one of the cool things about this series, man. Um, so Frema, yeah, she had she had a, she had a great ass, but uh-huh. <laughs> I don't think he was Trust really. Put, I don't. Okay, I don't think it was that's really my thing. So, I don't think it was really putting her off so much. Um, because she was kind of standoffish, and you know, and then they popped in this little thing when they had Mickey pop up all over. Like Mickey's like, "Whatever happened to Rose? Oh, look at this cool, hot, smoking <laughs> black chick." And then all of a sudden, like Mickey and and her have this like little slight dalliance, yeah. Right. And then we we don't want to go further. And then the next season had. The woman you really detest. Oh, yes. Donna Noble. <laughs> I, you know, I... I the less I, said, I, the better. <laughs> I was on the fence about Donna Noble because uh, she's a British comedian, and uh, uh, I've seen some of her stuff. It's very interesting. Um, <laughs> I haven't laughed, but the first couple things he did with the, that woman... Um, I I wasn't thrilled, and I was like, "What are they doing here?" Yeah, and he didn't. It looked like David Tennant did not like her, and it looked like she did not like David Tennant, much less the doctor and the character. Well, that's the thing. And this it, is what happened to until I think mid. It turned into a freaking soap yeah. opera. Where all of a sudden, no longer was it about this guy traveling through time and space, writing wrongs, and you know having some companions that he develops relationships with and has to say a bittersweet farewell yeah. and moves on to the next one. All of a sudden, it was this goddamn soap opera about some guy who's in love with this broad who dies on him. Then he can't get over her. Somebody else comes in, wants him, but he has no interest, so she's got to pine away in silence. She ends up having to go walk away and deal with somebody else. And all of a sudden, then he gets somebody else who hates his guts and gives him shit, and now all of a sudden, that's going to change him. Like, what the hell? I don't really give a shit about this guy's emotional life. He, that's not what the Doctor Who is about. If I want that, I'd watch EastEnders. Well, but, but the point Ken is, Ken and Arrow was but, horrible. But, 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 oh, my gosh. I can't, cannot absolve you of this. Because <laughs> at the end of that, he finally meets Rose on that planet, on that beach, where the other incarnation of Doctor Who, also played by Tennant, it's appeared, and she spent all that time with him. And, you know, like you said, everybody loves Tennant. Now, I can understand it's because of his cuddly, taily bareness, and, oh, look, I can make love to the doctor, too, but it's the fucking doctor. You don't sit there and go, ooh, I'm hot for John Pertwee, I'm hot for Tom Baker, I'm hot for Colin Baker. No, but no, Tennant, Tennant, Oh, yeah, Tennant, I'm hot for Tennant. Tennant, Tennant has, like, 
Tenet has like a freaking, I don't know, what do you call it? What do you call it nowadays? It's, it's bizarre. I went to a comic book store. This is a true story. Uh, this is an aside. I went to a comic book store, and uh, I was just browsing around. It was like full of shit and uh, full of stuff. And I said, uh, I felt like some cool Doctor Who t-shirts. And I was like, oh, you don't know, David, I don't have a David Tennant shirt. And I was like, you guys have any Doctor Who shirts? Which doctor? Well, uh, I said uh, I said to the saleswoman, I said, do you have uh, David Tennant? Oh, you mean the 10th doctor. <laughs> so it's like some people only know them by the numerical number. They don't know the guy. They don't know, like, the name. They're just like, it's the 10th doctor. And she's like, he's my favorite. Oh, yeah, David Tennant. Is that who his name is? I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I felt like escaping. <laughs> but yeah, a I mean, story. A huge, huge yeah. fangirl thing over him because he's a cuddly teddy bear. I don't know I if this is like, keeping a prize, like but you know, people you, you, love you him. You really did not have a good experience with him. Wow. Uh, not at all. Not at all. Uh, well, you know, nothing against him personally. I'm sure, fun, no? I, I'm sure he's like a fine actor and other shit. I haven't seen him in anything, but you know, it's not like, okay, I can't stand this actor. No, it's just he didn't work as Doctor Who. These episodes were bad. The focus of the series was wrong. I was just like, no, this is not what Doctor Who is about. I'm sorry. Oh, it's we, like everything, we went over, we went over our time limit. That's all right. It, it encapsulates yeah. everything that's wrong about New for me, <laughs> like oh, really. Well, well the, the thing, no, you know what he was good. You know what he, what he, what he did, and he was really good in it. It was the remake of Fright Night, which was really weak, but he played the Roddy McDowell part. Oh, did he? Interesting. He did. He played him as like uh, who's that Vegas showman that thinks he's really good at like. Wayne Newton. No, 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 no. Like a wizard, uh, magician type guy. Oh, Sigrid and Roy, and uh, who the hell is No, that? like, more of like a, what's that guy? The guy from New York. The guy, like, oh, uh, buries you know himself in a week or some shit. Yeah, 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 that asshole. Uh, Chris Angel or whatever the hell, right? Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Chris Angel, some guy like that. Yeah, so David Tennant plays like this guy, this kind of guy. <laughs> and uh, he's pretty good in it, actually, because he's like, I don't want to be bothered. I'm rich. I fake all the shit I do. <laughs> and I thought he was really good because he kind of touched upon some of the Doctor Who type things he was doing and kind of revived them from this movie. So actually, if there's a reason to see the Fright Night remake, folks, if you haven't, because he's in it. Did he give people like a, an unthreatening threat? Like, you will never get away with this because you don't know how scary I really am and all sorts of shit. Oh, no, <laughs> and, no, and every episode they started doing it. was like the first time I was like, okay, well, okay, that's cute. And then they did it again. And then they did it again. And then they did it again. Uh, you know, I don't think it's an accident that Russell P. Davies walked away from the series around this time. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, Russell P. Davies, uh, his living partner uh, had – Turned very ill, and I understand still is. I I I don't know what the definition of that is, uh, but that's why Torchwood went to American uh, producers for the fourth and last season, and why he left Doctor Who. Sorry to hear Uh, that, but you know, my uh, impression. Like the other, he, he realized that it was really going south and said, the hell with him, peeling on a sinking ship. <laughs> Getting out of here, yeah. No, but there was another reason. And, and, and you know, leads us to Matt Smith, who I can't fucking stand. I'm sorry. I can't stand Matt Smith. <laughs> and here we go, because this is my favorite new Who doctor. <laughs> no! 
<laughs> yes. Oh, my God. But I will say one thing. You have two problems with his run. Number one, Stephen Moffat. Stephen Moffat did coupling. That's what he's known for. Coupling was a very amusing, urbane take on Friends. I think it was actually before Friends. That's where they got the idea from. Uh, and it's better than Friends. It's at least for the first three seasons before they lose Jeff. Um, funny, filthy, loads of fun, uh, you know, emotional, good show. He's a comedian. He's a comedy writer. He comes in and does Doctor Who. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, people. Awesome. Yeah. You know, yes. I mean, he, you know, if the series wasn't already sinking, he kept sinking it even worse. The thing is, I thought, and the other problem, and somebody else had pointed this out to me, it became the Amy Pond show. It's like, it's not Doctor Who, it's Amy Pond. And, like, and that's a problem. That was a definite issue. Uh, I, I, it's I, not Karen that either. I like I, I, I thought she was cute, but, you know, he, he was right about it. But, you know, Matt Smith brought back the goofiness of oh, you know, cool. the older doctors, you know, kind of like oh, a, a cross between Hartnell and Troughton. And, you know, okay, yeah, a lot of people call him the hipster doctor because for some reason they thought his, like, freakish skull was attractive. Don't ask me why. I think he's kind of strange looking. No. But, you know, I liked what he was doing with it. He was manic. Oh, he was foolish. He was child. He was... Um, some of the episodes got better writing. You got things like the Weeping Angels popping up. Uh, oh, no, yeah. much better done in the Tenant, tenant Show, the, the Angels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's <sighs> a mix. Because I can see what you're saying about how the writing was bad because Moffat is not good like Davies was. It's not, it's not the but, same but, you know, class. I, it's like I, I have to say, Matt Smith is creepy fucking actor. I thought it was creepy. Creep to Chevy. I, I look so forward to his regeneration. I'm like, who is this creepy fucking guy? He's weird looking. That's why I stand by his freakish skull. But, you know. He's weird looking. But you know what? He acts creepy. And it did, it did no good that the first episode, he's like showing up this little child's house. Little girl. Like, I thought that was strange. Yes. I was yeah. Like, I'm like, what's going I'm on here? With this. <laughs> yeah. And it got no better for me. I'm sorry. The whole thing with Rory and then, you know. Well, uh, yeah, we were talking before about guys being a little bit effeminate or whatever. Rory is the one. Oh, my God. Mr. Mom, the guy who waited through time just to get in her pants. Come on, look at her. She's a good time girl. She was with everybody in fucking town in Scotland. And then, you know, this guy's going to sit around. He was like the schlub that was going to put up with her. And basically, if you want to put it that way, the guy that marries the town whore, that kind of a thing. And he was totally the worst aspects of Mickey. Yeah, putting on a string, yeah, okay, go ahead, screw around. I mean, the book of Hosea, for Christ's sakes, in the Bible. Oh, uh, no, no, no. It comes down yeah. to, like, everybody fucked my wife, but I still like her. You know, yes, that's like, what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's, it, no. My wife's a whore, but I'm still going to stick around. I'm like, really? Come on, get out of here, man. Man up. Uh, I, I so did not like any of the Matt Smith. I'm sorry. I, I, a lot of Matt Smith. I know a lot of girls really like Matt Smith, and I'm like, yeah. why? Well, that's what I was saying. Uh, a lot of women are so like him for some so reason. Cute. Like what? Yeah, they think he's cuter than Tanner. I know he's weird looking. looking. Yeah. <laughs> really? But, hey, whatever. Uh, uh, yeah, I know you change your your opinion of Tanner at that point, right? <laughs> well, in terms of like looks, aesthetics, yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, like at least a normal looking guy. <laughs> yeah, Tanner's like fucking Monty Clift at this point. But, yeah. but I. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. Uh, you know, this is why we get along. I'm like, wow, if I can get him out there. 
Should have been so with Doctor Who to Montgomery Cliff. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this is why you guys love weird scenes from the gold mine. Yo, that's right. Uh, but I do really like that. He's a good actor. I liked what he brought to the role. I liked the change that he brought. He got it out of this bullshit. You know, it's all about me and my romances. And the, am I getting over this romance yet? Fuck you. You're the doctor. Man up. You know, go save some time and space. Uh, uh, uh. And, you know, Matt Smith did not do that. There was a little bit of like, you know, it, it was much different. I liked it much better. Um, but anyway, obviously you hate my You're life. saying the doctor doesn't need love? He did what? The doctor needs, there needs love. <laughs> he needs love. <laughs> well, and that was another problem because here, I don't know, I think it was actually during Tenant, they introduced this River song. Oh, yeah, someday he's going to get married yeah. and to this overweight old woman. What the hell? Really? <laughs> she tur- keeps turning up. She keeps turning yes. up. She's in the Capaldi series. Spoilers. I mean, how many cigarettes does this woman smoke? I mean, <laughs> That darling spoilers. Oh my god. Uh, but, but but you know what? But there was something I wanted to say it's though. Like, but we you know didn't... what? Suzanne what? Pochette had a sexy voice compared to Alex Kingston. You gotta be fucking kidding me, woman. Get off the cigarettes. They're killing you. No, no, no. You you gotta be thinking of Brenda Vaccaro. Remember Brenda Vaccaro? Oh, Vicaro? Brenda Vaccaro too, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, well see that's the thing with Suzanne Pochette. Like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> um John Sims. John Sims played the master in the attendance show. I thought he was really good at that. Uh, well, again, you're playing off that same shit where it's like, let me be Eric Roberts. How crazy can we make it? How much homoerotic shit can we throw in? Ooh, is oh, I, I really didn't see that. I didn't see that. Really? Uh, you throw some homoerotic? Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Very much. I so. loved him in Life on Mars, uh, the British one. Oh, yeah. It was just terrific in that. I haven't seen that show, but I mean, I'll tell you, the, like I said, amazing, the amazing, amazing. Crazy. And then they bring it into the audios, too, the big Finnish audios. They've got, like, more and more homoerotic, crazed masters. I'm like, really? Uh, this is where we're going to keep going here? Really? Whatever. Really? <laughs> the Roger Delgado. Uh, how do they, 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 they do that on, like, audio? Wow. Oh, the audio's great. Uh-huh. Uh, what's this weird gender bender thing now where they did what I thought they could have did with the doctor? I said, oh, no, we can't do that with the doctor, but we'll do it with the master? And they made him a woman? I mean, it's like, okay, well, she's crazy enough. I can see it. I can sort of see about it. Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't really get okay, it. Okay, so you... we, dis- we disagree on the last two guys. Are we up to Capaldi? Uh, yeah, we're up to Capaldi. <laughs> we're doing another epic show tonight, folks. <laughs> yeah. uh, Capaldi, there's, there's another problem for me. I like Peter Capaldi as a person. He's a nice guy. I've seen he's a talk- rocker. Did you know he's a rocker? Yeah. Yeah, he's a punk rocker. I heard his stuff. You you actually yeah. showed it to me, didn't you? I like yeah. his stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's done stuff like Lear of the White Worm for Ken Russell. I mean, you see him in things. He was a decent actor. You know, he was, I he was in Torchwood. Him. He was in, what, the last good season of Torchwood, too. Yeah, I mean, he was. he's a good actor. He's likable. He's a whatever. But then he comes in and does this doctor that's... And it's funny because they say, like, oh, he's so crusty. No, I see him as being lost. He looks lost and confused, and he's always looking to this bitch Clara Oswald to go and try to, like, validate himself. Like, what, uh-huh. why are you looking to somebody that's just as nasty, if not nastier than yourself, to validate you? We're getting back to the Mickey and Rory thing. Man up. You know, find yourself somebody who's actually going to care about you or just, you know, be strong enough in yourself. And, you know, he's a guy, he's a guy who looks older than he actually yeah. may be. Yes, and he's actually playing to his look, so he's actually 
playing older than he actually probably is. And he he is a bit of, and so doing that, he's, he's throwing in, oh, maybe I should play it a bit salty. Maybe I should play it a bit acerbic. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, but it doesn't work. He doesn't come off that salty in a serving. He comes off more confused and lost. Right, like, right. Well, I'm saying he's am I doing okay? In his mind, <laughs> yeah, in his mind, he's like, let me play it this way. But in reality, it's coming off this way, which is like two seasons in. We're like, okay, please bring somebody else in. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and at least give us a different companion. Why do they keep leaving her? Get rid of her. She was great when she first showed up. I was like, okay, I like her. You know, she didn't change from uh, Amy Pond there. He was, she was fine with Matt Smith. And all of a sudden, it's like, what the hell? Get rid of her. She's horrible. You know, at least their dynamic is horrible, the two of them. I'm like, stop looking at her for validation. She's awful. And what's up with the River Song stuff? They keep bringing River uh, Song back. She's not even a milf anymore. She's a gilf. <laughs> I, I never liked this River Song character. My wife liked her. I, mean, I know a lot of women, especially like you know, my wife's not middle aged, but you know, a lot of middle aged women love that because oh look, we've got one of us that's supposed to be a sex symbol. Okay, if you say so. Uh, with her with a clicking heel, she pulls out her gun. They play the like little smoky saxophone, like something's gonna happen, and there she is. No, like, no. Well, what a letdown. The only one I actually <laughs> really liked River Song, but beside beside the library one. Yeah. There was the episode where they were on the alien planet. Was it Mars or someplace? They went time tripping. Okay. And she showed up and there was like, everybody was like just being possessed and turning into uh, monsters and killing each other. It was a really good episode, actually. And um, I was like, okay, she's on the peripheral of that one, so I don't mind her as much. But I don't know what they want to do with her. Here is different producers... Years later, and she's still yep. popping up. Yep. Yeah. I don't think they know what they want to do with her. And yeah. that's kind of brings up to where we are with who on TV. Uh, I have mentioned the Bill Baggs period, which was kind of between the who seasons back in the uh, you know, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, but in between, something around, I guess, 99, I think they started, uh, there's been audios out there. And I don't just mean the British you know, BBC audios. But there's a company called Big Finish, and they hire back all of these old, you know, surviving companions, doctors, you know, even going down to like ephemeral people. Like, really, you were in that episode where? And I turn out he's like, oh yeah, he was the second tech on, you know, this episode in 1976 or whatever. I'm like, really? And there he is. Uh, and they'll go and craft these stories. And what happened is, it actually helped me a lot personally, just speaking from my own experience to understand and appreciate a lot of doctors that I didn't care for, like Colin Baker, like Sylvester McCoy, like uh, Peter Davison, like William Hartnell. This is how I got into these guys. And I actually think Colin Baker is my number two favorite doctor, which is crazy if you look at just the TV. But if you listen to him on audio, if you've met him in person, if you see his actual range as a person and as an actor, it was like, oh, okay, now I get it. But if you just watch those episodes from back when, you'd be like kind of lost because of the problems that we mentioned before. Um, and the same goes for a lot of these. Peter mm. Davison, I did not like his televised episodes. You know, it, it took me years. And I got into them because I liked them on audio. I was like, okay, I get them now. And what they'll do is they'll take stuff that they had maybe intended to do back then in development of these characters and companions and whatever. 
and they'll bring it out and they'll flesh it out further over time, you know, episode after episode. And it won't necessarily like maybe they'll do like one or two of them and then they won't be back again for another six months and then they'll do another one, mm-hmm. you know, that, that kind of thing. And they'll switch off and they'll do some other roles or whatever. And over time, as you're listening to these, all of a sudden you say, oh, that's who this doctor is. And that's, you know, and you're, they're really getting a chance to flush these people out. Like I said, Mel has become the best companion. You, if you look at the, the TV show and you say, what, is this guy fucking crazy? But if you listen to the audios, all of a sudden, oh, yeah, now I see what you're saying. So they do a really good job with this stuff. They actually have a lot of lines at this point. It used to be just like a, a main Doctor Who line and a couple of spinoffs. Uh, there's so much stuff. I, I actually review their stuff every month uh, on my own site. And, you know, yeah, there's junk, obviously, just like with anything else out there. Well, uh, well, but well, tell there's people a lot of good stuff in case they're, they're not making a connection here. Yeah, those of you who have uh, not made the connection yet between Weird Scenes and uh, Third Eye Cinema, uh, that is my website. And, uh, you know, I've been doing reviews of not only uh, these British audios that I'm talking about for companies like Big Finish and Baffle Gab and, you know, somewhere else or something else. Uh, but also for video companies, uh, we did a lot of Pink Aga early on when they were still doing uh, video when they started going into streaming. Uh, and obviously for Vinegar Syndrome, we do a lot of stuff there. Uh, so you get everything from horror movies and cult films to, you know, because Vinegar Syndrome, adult films, uh, classic ones, of course, like we had spoken to a couple well, of weeks A lot back. of Doctor Who, a lot of Doctor Who, though. A lot of Doctor Who, which is all the big finish stuff. And, of course, uh, we also do a lot of music stuff, you know, so we do a lot of metal and punk and whatever the hell else every month. I, I used to do this on the podcast. You know, you would hear the interviews with cult directors and with uh, bands and musicians, and now it's all kind of gone to print. So, uh, you know, these are my audio outlets here, this and uh, other sites that we do, uh, those of you who are into more political stuff. Uh, you, you might want to hit the round and you'll probably make the connections yourself. Uh, we have a couple of podcasts that we're involved with here, uh, me and various people. Uh, and, you know, uh, Big Finish, I've been reviewing their stuff for a couple of years now. I've been listening to their stuff for many years. Uh, I didn't get to them in 99. I got to them probably around 2006, I think, 2005, 2006. But it was early enough to get some of their best stuff and then work my way back and then you know move forward. So I'm very familiar with their lines. You know, they would do stuff like Dark Shadows, um, Doctor Who, obviously. Uh, you know, they're doing strange things, Survivors, and the, you know, they're doing Torchwood, and um, you know, the the Omega Factor. Um, you know, if you if there's a British cult series out there, they started to do the Avengers. We're doing the well, we I say we. Uh, I have nothing to do with them. I just review their stuff, uh, but. The Avengers, uh, the TV series, which we'll be talking about soon, uh, when we talk about British cult TV or maybe when we're talking about spies, um, you know, the early episodes that they were doing when it was Dr. Keel and, uh, and Steve back in like 1961, they took those lost episodes and they, sure enough, they did audios for them, built them around them. Some of them started Colin Baker as uh, Dr. Keel. Um, oh, and Andrew once, yeah. Yeah, I mean, decent stuff. I mean, not again, not everything is perfect, but 
uh, I appreciate the fact that they're putting all these actors, these who actors and so forth, and British character actors. I mean, I've got people that are coming in from shows I used to love, like Poirot, from Lovejoy, from you know actors like David Warner, who was in stuff like Nightwing. I mean, these people are actually now doing work for Big Finish, and because you know it's audio, they don't have to worry about the fact that they're aging or whatever. You know, nobody wants to see me now that I'm 70. Well, it doesn't matter. Your voice is the same. You can still play, you know, whatever you are, 40, and it works. Uh, so these are actually really well developed. It's not just like some rinky-dink operation, uh, and a lot of big names go there. So those of you who are into Doctor Who, especially, might want to check them out. Uh, and you know, I don't get anything for this. This is just you know, I review for them and I enjoy their stuff. So um, that's that on that. Well, that's our Doctor Who show for tonight, I guess. Right? That's it. So. That's it. Uh, Next time, which will be in two weeks, we will be talking yes. Bond and other spies. And we don't know how many other spies we will fit in, uh, but I'm sure we'll throw in a couple. Maybe some Jerry Collins. Oh, I'm sure we will. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, after that, we'll be. I actually added a new show, and we discussed. Uh, we asked, actually, from our discussion on air last time, uh, one of the ideas that I had thrown out there, and you bit after the fact, if I had originally set up season two. Uh, so we squeezed it in. Uh, so we're going to be doing a show on Italian sleaze. All your favorite uh, directors yeah. like Renato Polzelli and Andre Bianchi and Umberto Lenzi and all the guys you figure there's no way in hell I could redeem these people. Uh, <laughs> Luigi Bustella, we, damn it, we're going to try. Yeah, we probably won't redeem any of them on air, but no. uh, we'll be discussing their films. Exactly. Well, look, we, we did our best with Joe D'Amato. If we can do that, then I'm sure we can give it a shot for these guys, too. <laughs> and actually, I think I think our uh, our Bond show or our spy movie show is going to pretty much coincide with the release of Spectre, which is, like, sure. not intended at all. No. Um, and uh, hopefully that damn movie will be better than the horrible, 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 <laughs> horrible Horrible theme song by Sam. What the fuck is your last name? Oh. It is so yes, bad. It's it like, is. has Barbara Broccoli lost her mind? And the <laughs> they just released today, coincidentally, the the snippet of the score by who is your fucking name? Uh, who's a friend of <laughs> Sam Mendes? Who, I didn't even think that the last picture was that great. Like, part of it was okay. But it was over long, and it was it was it was rambling. We'll and, get uh, like our show does. We'll get this next time, but I can't stand Daniel Craig. He is the worst Bond. <laughs> oh no, we'll, we'll discuss this. We'll discuss. You got to get. Yeah, we'll discuss this. He's down anyway. There with, <laughs> he's down with who? Timothy Dalton. <laughs> the two I worst like Bond. Timothy Dalton. Uh, not oh. as like act other stuff we're talking about because even Daniel Craig or right, Tomb Raider who cares but you know as as Bond is like ah uh, really <laughs> no no this doesn't work oh, I'm sorry no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> we, we 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 have to discuss this this is another what was the best thing about Casino Royale Hussein Bolt Casino <laughs> Royale yeah Eva Green <laughs> no Eva yeah. Green. Yeah, <laughs> we saw it in the theater, and that was the last one. I'm like, okay, no more Bond films for us. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, this is why the next show will be so exciting for our listeners. Exactly, it'll be just like Daniel Craig getting his you know ball strapped into a chair and electrocuted <laughs> and whipped. It'll be the same experience for you guys. <laughs> so, All right, anyway. so we'll see you in two weeks. We'll see you in two weeks.
I can find the music, we are out of here. There we go. All right, so join us again in two weeks as we discuss bonds and other You like the context of your comments, suggestions, and you will make a decision. Drop us on our Facebook page, facebook.com, slash beards, and